the Mission Control Podcast, brought to you by Hip Flask, the socially networked gig guide made locally, available on the App Store or Google Play, free of charge. Go to hipflaskapp.com. Hello, everybody. We are back. I am sitting here with Grace Sanders. Hello. How you doing? I'm great, thank you. <laughs> This is the first time I've ever met you. Yes. So this yeah. will be interesting. I feel but... like old friends, though, don't you think? Uh, strangely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you walked in, I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool. This is going to be good. It's yeah. going to be a good chat. Yeah. I think all the listeners need to know that Daryl actually has prepared by having some candles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real mood setting in here. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it was so dark in here, I figured I, yeah, nothing creepy about it, but I don't know. No, I don't nothing know why. creepy, it's sweet. Well, people think um associate candles with... Uh, either really terrible dates or yeah. black magic for some reason. But. Yeah, yeah, it's one or the two, and it's they're really on opposite ends of the spectrum. I know. It is. It's either satanic exactly. rituals or really tacky romance. As for The Room, I actually just watched The Room last week, so it's like in my head. Oh, there's really? so many candles in that whole movie, the yeah, whole yeah. time, and all of the love scenes, like so many, and there's so many fire hazards lying around the place. Yes. But Tommy Wise, he doesn't care. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> Man, thanks for coming down. Um, this is your first time here at the Hen House. Yes, yes it is. I love how we both looked over at nothing. I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hen House. There's lots of nice graffiti on the wall, I'm noticing. It is. There's yeah. a lot of eye candy here at the Hen House. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the space? Because I fucking love it. It's a good vibe. It. It's a yeah. great vibe. I want to come and rehearse here. Because it's just, it depends. Like, where you rehearse, I think, has a big effect on how you feel when you're jamming. Mm. And I think, I mean, every musician knows that, really, the... We're all suckers for a good carpet and a lamp and all yeah. that stuff. So this place has got it all, really. Exactly. Lighting lighting's a big one. Um, clean toilets? I don't know if you've yes. visited the toilets yet. Not but yet. I haven't had clean. the pleasure. <laughs> I'll <laughs> test them after. You said you lived like right around the corner. So that's yeah. convenient. Yeah, just Mount Hawthorne. Nice. So I made my mum, well, I drove with my mum because I don't yet have a car. Right. Um, and yeah, it just turned out to be that I could have walked here, actually. But, yeah. you know, she, I don't think she minds a chat and a distraction. <laughs> That's awesome. So what have you been up to? Like, uh, this is cool because whenever I have someone on that I haven't met, it yeah. actually makes for an interesting podcast because, yeah, um, yeah I find out who you are gradually exactly. as the people do. So exactly. um, what have you been up to? Well, it's, uh, this is an exciting day for us to see each other because I just got my first music video back oh, this cool. morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the final edit cut, all color graded. So it's just sitting there in my Dropbox now and I'm about to release it with the first single. So this is something I've been talking about for months, if not years, being like, I've recorded so many things and I've never been proud enough of anything to actually release it. So really? I've just got this back. Yeah. Just, you know, just that sort of performer's anxiety, I suppose, mm-hmm. that it's not up to standard or it's not the grade you want. But um, yeah, just got that back today and it's looking really, really good. So yep. I mean, besides that, I've been running a lot. Um, It doesn't actually work very well for me. So I think I'm going to stop that and just stick to music. <laughs> Running as in like marathon running or? I wouldn't call it a marathon. Maybe 600 metres and then I'm curling over a time. Around, around the house? Just, <laughs> Just once the around stairs, the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. So you're trying to get. You, to the fridge. <laughs> you're trying to get fit, are you? I'm, yeah, or, I'm trying to be healthy. Like, good. That's good. It's good. Like I usually, I'm a real yoga, swimming, good. chilled out girl. Nice. Because um, I used to exercise a lot when I was younger and I feel like I just ruined it for myself. But recently, I'm trying to get back into running and cardio and fitness. 
um, yeah, not going so well for me, but music's going great. So I'll what, focus Why on is that. it not going well? Are you just feeling you're not fit enough? Or? Not fit. I'm not fit. And I've got the, bad that's knees. That's the whole idea. Too. <laughs> I've got really bad knees for a 21-year-old. Okay, right, right, okay. <laughs> like, I've got a, they're brittle. They're just brittle. They don't work. But you know what? You know what? I just need to do squats or something. Like, <laughs> Do you work out? I mean. I do work out now, but it's one of those things where I wish I had made more of a routine of it in my younger days because I'm 31 now. Mm. Uh, you're still really young. What are you, 20, 21? 21, just 21. You're, yeah. you're fucking so a baby. young. baby, yeah. But you sound like you've got your shit together more than I did when I was 21. <laughs> so the fact that you're thinking about running yeah. is, is great. Like, yeah. um, uh, But don't worry that you're not good at it. Like, the idea is to build up the fitness, exactly. right? Exactly. It takes patience and time, mm. hey? Yeah, I mean, I stopped exercising because... It's like sort of a funny story, but I tried to do pole dancing for a while. Okay. Yeah, that was my Well, that's thing. the way to get fit. Yeah, exactly. That was what I was doing. It wasn't mm. for performing or anything like that. It was just because it's fun mm-hmm. and it's kind of empowering, you know, to do this class in undies and you just feel cool after. Yeah. Um, but I twisted my spine and popped out of place. Oh, jeez. Right. So I couldn't really do impact exercise for the past year and a half, two years or so. It was just it, too painful. So it's just that now getting back into it, I guess I've lost all of that sort of muscle strength there. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you, you know how it is. Do you work out now to stay fit? I do. I do a lot of core fitness. Yes. So I don't really, need. I don't really care about being a muscly dude like lifting yep. weights. I just want to be able to be um, above all flexible. Yes. Because I think like you can be strong, but your your like mobility can be really shit. So mm-hmm. it's like, what's There's the no point, point of having massive guns when yep. you can't even bend over to pick up your keys? You exactly, know. Exactly. So it's like um, I've been working uh, on just. Uh, Kind of push-ups, um, planks, mm-hmm. side planks, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Even just holding it, it's so easy because you don't need any equipment. Yeah. As well, so you can do it on the floor in your bedroom. You know, if you can't be bothered. Yeah, going outside, all the body so. weight stuff. It's all yeah. you need. Mm. Yeah, or, it's you know, so I think fit. Pilates, yoga, all that stuff is really good for yeah. your mind and body. But uh, that's good. I mean, you're 21. You're thinking about. Same fit. fit. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how different people and different personality types are attracted to the different kinds of exercise. So mm. a lot of the um, – I read this thing once. I don't even remember where it was from. But it said basically that people that are super hyper-energetic, very antsy kind of people will go better doing very calming sort of core work exercise like yoga, like Pilates, where you sort of meditate in it, um, whereas people that are a bit slower will benefit more from building up their sort of um, – I guess building up their energy rate by by exercising, doing a lot of mm. cardio and a lot more, you know, weights and stuff like that. I don't think that applies to everyone, but it's interesting. My my perception now of fitness is way different because before ten years ago, I would have gone, eh, yeah, why? That's kind of lame, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, it's so important. But what's your diet like? Do you watch what you eat? Oh and no, stuff? Oh, no. I do watch what I eat, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I judging hate, at all. No, because get I, ready I have to judge me. Diet. Everyone judges me. I'm actually, I'm a vegan, yep. and I get such a hard time whenever I say that Why? I am. I guess that there's a stigma about people yeah. that kind of force it down everyone else's throats, but I just do it. I've been a vegan for about two years now, and it just works really well for me. I, I respect and understand it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. I've had friends that have tried it, and for them, cutting out meat it just made them feel really weak, or mm. just it just didn't, it didn't. Um, sit with them right mm. but for me I just felt as soon as I just started having a plant-based diet I lost a lot of weight my digestive system functioned a lot better my skin cleared up so mm. for me it's just been really optimal for my health but you do have to concentrate on what you're actually taking in each day because you do miss a lot of so sort of easy to get vital nutrients from animal products 
um, just sort of not the calcium and stuff so much, but like the B12 and the vitamins from the meat. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if you just pay attention to how much protein you get in, it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to maintain. Well, I think we eat way too much meat, but I think red meat, like can be inflammatory yes um and like you said your skin like i've struggled with skin issues for age for all my life i've had eczema yeah people have recommended going vegan plant-based you know um organic uh i haven't quite made that leap yet (laughs) because i'm so attached to my rice and my meat because i'm asian man i eat gluten like sushi was so hard to give up sushi was the only one that i was like oh the fish i love fish i love seafood Mm. red meat nah it's fine because yeah when when do you really eat red meat in pasta or if you have Mm. a steak um chicken fine because i didn't trust chicken anyway i just don't trust it that's weird yeah there's a lot of people that don't they can't handle um like bones in their food yeah no no it's weird it's weird i was one of those i was always one of those people though that was just kind of like oh it's a bit strange i saw i watched a lot of simpsons growing up and one of my this this is a stuff believe me this this has a point (laughs) um i watched there was a particular episode called lisa the vegetarian yeah i remember that one i believe it's season seven (laughs) (laughs) um and that sort of changed my perspective when i was really young it just made me think about it differently and i sort of had always had in the back of my mind that i saw meat as animals so for me, I was just never someone that loved it that much, except for a good mm. lamb roast. But yep. sushi, Lord, sushi is is mm. is good. Mm. Yeah, and well, I think yeah, I haven't really gone the whole vegan thing, but I've been watching what think like preservatives and processed foods that I've been eating. Basically, yeah. trying to cut down on anything that's in a can or a packet. Yeah, and you just nearly <laughs> fell over. <laughs> I went to cross my legs, and I was just completely unweighted. <laughs> It's unfortunate, even when we eat oats and grains and bread, mm-hmm. things that we think are quite neutral, quite okay, yep. that there's additives in that too. There's gluten yeah. and there's stuff that, you know, bread shouldn't be white and fluffy. It should be quite dense. Dense, exactly. Um, but we're eating this stuff that, like, no human body, like, a thousand years ago would have eaten that yep. stuff, you know? Like, yeah. we were just eating plants and... Um, just the just, basic grains, Yeah, right? the, with the, the odd with fish the sprinkling here and there. of meat yeah, in exactly. there as well and sort of what and you could get from animals. Totally. And now we're eating these like hyper-condensed foods like bars yeah. and stuff in packets and even the paleo thing, like they're packing so much stuff into a little bar. It's, it's not like, good for you. Yeah, well, I, I don't know enough to be honest, but I just my gut feeling is saying that you know, a lot of, a lot of the ailments that we have in modern society probably come from simply eating processed crap like yeah, that's absolutely. found everywhere absolutely but you know, when people so talk hard. about cancer and stuff mm, yeah. being on the rise i just i so think you can attribute attribute that directly to the rise of factory farming mm. and the this massive industry like i mean man with monsanto we could get deep hey we could get, <laughs> we we'd be talking for like what five minutes and we, we could get into all of the conspiracies <laughs> fight there. the power man yeah, yeah. but that they're evil they're, they're really evil you well, know? They're fucking, well they're buying and patenting seeds and yeah. like the, the natural world is this commodity that they it's own just not, it's not something that you should be able to own it's in crazy. my opinion yeah. i think you can own the means of production but the concept of owning mm. the seeds and the grain it's just like well that's crazy obviously from a sense of property you it belongs to you but the fact that they manufacture them specifically like i don't know enough about monsanto to make any really mm. intellectual comments on it but from what a friend has told me about monsanto <laughs> which is of course the best source from what i read on the internet yeah, BuzzFeed, <laughs> um they like manufacture the seeds so that they won't keep reproducing the plants don't reproduce yes, in the normal yeah. way so you just have to keep buying 
more and mm. more and just restocking. It's just not. Well, it's based on profit. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy exactly. because it, like your health is not in their best interest. No, if of course not. They want to create customers. Like, yeah. And that's an age-old saying, but, you know, when it's right in front of us. But, it, yeah, it's hard to, I don't know. It's really hard to avoid that, I think, especially mm. when, because I've grown up with meat, you know. Yeah, uh, of course. So I, I guess when you kind of change your path at a younger age, like, you're probably doing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to transition, yeah. I think. But, yeah, for sure. But for someone like me, it's like, whew, I, yeah, need, I, mean, I need that that chicken wing, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really inspired from a young age to get healthy because um, I've sort of my parents split when I was young mm-hmm. and on my mum's side, um, they're, they're quite unhealthy and just overweight. So um, I love them dearly. But seeing that lifestyle, especially because when I was younger, um, my mum in particular was really, really fit and healthy. Um, and when she gained weight and sort of went more down that path, it just made me very conscious of health because I saw directly how it impacted her life and my stepdad's life. And as lovely as they are as people, um, I've just seen that, you know, it's it's just it's not a nice way to live really. Mm. Um, so I wanted early on to just make sure that I was looking after my health and make sure that I was thinking about it. Um, mm. a bit differently because I felt that I would have to be wise to not just kind of fall into that trap of when you buy a cereal and it says, you know, Uncle Toby's Oats and it says, like, it's so healthy for you. Like, look at this, a five-star health brew. It's just full of sugar and all of this mm. dried fruit, things like that that people get really tricked by, I think is is just evil. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, actually, like the raw balls and things like that. It's actually really high in calories and fat and sugar and it's just as bad for you as if you went and bought a chocolate bar. But mm. because they advertise it as being healthy and they don't really talk to you about what you're really consuming, I just think that it's um it's very dishonest on mm. those companies' parts. It's very divisive, yeah. Um, mm, there's yeah. a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to labelling things. Oh, um, my gosh, And I think yeah. things like, you know, no added sugar or no yeah. added this, well, yeah. it already has it. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no added MSG and no, like, no oh, this. Congratulations, and... you didn't add sugar mm. into a fruit bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course exactly. you didn't. Why exactly. would you, you know? Like, mm. that shouldn't even be something worth stating to be proud of. And the fact that it is, it's like... <laughs> What do you mean? Like, no, Adish, okay, like, it's great. It's, it's great. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But, um, man, talk about a, something that's really addictive, man. Sugar mm-hmm. is such a insidious, toxic thing oh because it's in things that you don't think. Like, yeah. I've had friends, like, going, man, I've cut down on fizzy drinks, but I'm drinking orange juice now. And you're like, dude, that's still sugar, dude. It's still sugar, <laughs> even, yeah. Even if you were to crush a certain amount of, you know, um, fruits, you know, straight into a blender, you're yep. still what you, it still is going to metabolize exactly, as sugar. So exactly. it still can be kind of fattening. Well, it's not even to do with weight, really. It's just to do with the fact that sugar is so addictive. Mm-hmm. It actually clamps onto your dopamine receptors in your brain yep. and everything. And so you actually get that reward that, whoa, it's as addictive as cocaine, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. I don't, well, that's what I read on the internet anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> We're awful. We need to start citing some sources. <laughs> Everyone's going to listen to this. Just like, These guys are just talking smack all day long. Well, where else do you get your information? That's true. I'm going to read true. a book. Nah, we all know but. that the news media is just fake news. <laughs> it is, though. It is. I mean, I used to, we buy the West Australian. Yeah. And um, I've had that since. I've had the West Australian at my mum's and the Australian at my dad's, so you can see the political leanings. Mm. Um, no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> So I've grown up having those papers ordered. The Australian, not so much. I don't live with my dad at the moment, so I haven't seen it as regularly. But I've definitely noticed that the West Australian, from when I was a kid to now, 
the number of ads and just crap in that mm. newspaper. I swear, bottle I just, of ads, just <laughs> ridiculous, and a lot of a lot of natural advertising as well. Just mm. really ridiculous things for you know various health products and medicines and things like that. And they'll yeah. just have this page that looks like it's an article about how great this thing is. Mm. Blah blah blah. Like it's just. But I've just noticed, I've just noticed over time, even in my short life, how downhill the sort of mainstream media has gone mm. and you know, print media has gone because they just can't afford to stay open if they don't. Well, they're really, they're really clutching at the last strands of their mm. audience, which is primarily old people. <laughs> and well, nothing wrong with that, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I actually picked up a... A physical newspaper and read it. Um, Express I used to get all the time. They shut down, didn't they? Well, the print side has. I think yeah. the digital side is continuing. Yeah. I don't know. I get all my stuff through social media now. Like everyone has. Yeah, because all of the news, all of the new media channels, at least, they're all linked onto Facebook mm. and Instagram, even Twitter. You know, so it's sort of where you initially find anything really now is through social media. Because mm. let's be honest, what is news but a collection of stories about a collection of people? So mm. if social media is just a collection of people online, well, it would make sense that you would get all of your sources from there. Do you write your lyri- like your lyrics? Yeah, you write all down- on paper. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of waste, though. That's the thing. That's why I think for print media. Um, and for news media, I think it's really good that it's going digital just from the purpose of the environment. I think that it is better actually because it's something that's printed every day. It's constantly changing. It's news. It's not the same as a book or a story or something that is going to stay as a piece of work for all time. Mm. It's it's a constant flow of information. So mm. I actually think that it's much more naturally geared towards being online because it does need to be constantly updated. But um, yeah, for my lyrics and everything like that, for for doing art... I love to write pen on paper and that's mm. what I do. And I just, I have like 15 songbooks or something that I've gone through now, just pages and pages of different lyrics. And, you know, yep. you, you finish a song, then you rewrite the lyrics, finish, mm. rewrite the lyrics, that kind of thing. Well, I just like doodling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, Are you a drawer? Yeah. I used to be really into drawing as a kid. Cool. And then it kind of uh, faded away, sadly. Too I busy? Was, no. I just think uh, it was just one of those things that I s- gradually stopped doing. Yeah. I used to... Um, read a lot of comic books mm-hmm. and try to draw, like just basically try to copy. Yeah. But um, I think Which I was... comics out of interest? Uh, X-Men. Cool. Uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think unfortunately I was put off by... This is going to sound really dumb, but I was put off by seeing other really good drawers. Yeah. Made me go, oh man, I ain't shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, because I, I, I would watch people that could draw without any reference. So they they were drawing, they were expressing through these drawings. And I could only copy what I could see. Yes. So I wasn't a very good... But that's very reflective of my personality, I think. I'm I'm very much a supporter, a facilitator. I, mm-hmm. I need that structure first in place, and then I'll dance around it. Cool. Sort of thing. But um, So I find that... I found that, yeah, I, I would look at other people that were really good, and that would kind of put me off my game, and then I would just kind of be more of a consumer of art and yes. uh, yeah. thought I might actually put the pencil away. But yeah, not totally. that I was that bad. I, I really don't know why I stopped. But what about you? I actually grew up being a drawer as well. Yeah. yeah I was are you left-handed? But same thing. No, are you? Okay, I'm left-handed. Oh, yeah. man, that's a problem for smudging, hey. <laughs> oh, Lord. What was your favourite medium? Were you a fine liner boy, paint, uh, pencil. pencil? I was, I was into like, the, like, the dark, like collecting yeah. all different shades of... The lead yes. pencils, oh, my yes. favorite. They're yeah. really nice to draw with. Yeah. Really, really nice. I like the depth. 
I actually enjoy the depth of lead pencil that is devoid of the color. I don't know. I just like it almost mm-hmm. better than color sketches on pencil. Yeah, and then I think I would go over it with uh, an art liner. Yeah, if I wanted to be bold really with a few messy. strokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. But, I like um, that. But I used to be man deep into dinosaurs. Cool. So I would love drawing love like T Rexes and bron- like I knew all my dinosaurs inside out. Like, yeah, and I think Jurassic Park really. But like catapulted. That would have come that. out when you were a kid. Yeah, hey? yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, that was the. I, I remember I had an old VHS that wasn't even the official copy. It was a um, <laughs> bought from, from some. Like a Bali copy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty much. I, I think I got it in, in where I'm from, Borneo. Like, awesome. I, I got a copy there from some dude on the corner yeah. with a box, you know, like $2, $2. Yeah, that really catapulted like my interest in dinosaurs. I was big into UFOs as a awesome. kid as well. I don't it was know why. a good time. It was a good time. X Files. Yeah, man. Yeah. X Files. Um. Yeah, Jurassic Park movies like that. ET. Yep. All that stuff was coming out. Like yeah. the space interest and. Yep. I mean, I I really think um you sound a lot like one of my older brothers actually because cool. he he was huge into dinosaurs and used to sketch them all the time. I feel like I'm getting a feeling for what kind of art you would do, like <laughs> like the cartoon, but realistic cartoons, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Comic-y, when they have proper but proportions, but yeah. it's still a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I could remember like my teachers uh, in primary school were very aware that I was an okay drawer. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of put pressure on me because I'm like a really sensitive guy. Yeah. So like they, they, they kind of were like hyping me up to the rest of the class. Yeah. So when we went on this excursion to a museum um, and we were drawing these old 1920s cars. Cool. Um, she would like, I was having a particularly bad day, so I didn't draw. I, I felt that I didn't draw my best car. Mm-hmm. But she was like, and everybody, the grand finale. Oh, no. And then she held mine up, and then I could see, like, everyone in the class go, that's not that good. Yeah. And then I I was, like, crushed, and I was, like, so embarrassed. Too much pressure. Yeah, I know, too much pressure. So I think, like, little things like that slowly, like, killed my interest in drawing. Yeah. And then I gravitated towards, you know, drumming and music. That was, that whole thing blew open. Yeah. When I saw my first gig at the Entertainment Center. How old were you? Um, 10 or 11. Cool. It was uh That would have been eye opening. Yeah. I think it was Soundgarden. Yeah. Oh dude, that's yeah, good. That's fucking sick. Yeah, I was for fortunate. A first show. I have two older sisters that were into awesome music. They were into the whole grunge thing. Cool. Um so it's a lot of very nineties. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. A lot of like Mud Honey, Alice in Chains, cool. Nirvana. Yeah, really like grungy. All all that stuff. Yeah. Um and Do they have like quite greasy hair and that whole just like t-shirts ripped jeans converse look they didn't really not really but a little bit there was a lot of like cross colors do you remember cross colors (laughs) like the old hip-hop stuff yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um there was a lot of that um and 90s hip-hop man is dope yeah i really really love 90s hip-hop yeah man i think anything when it first blossoms Mm. is the most exciting time to be around any genre. Mm. So when hip hop was really coming up in the nineties, you know, that's the best time to be there because everything that someone does is new. Mm. You know, each different artist is doing a different spin on a core idea, but it's different and it's exciting. And then you get now and it's where, you know, two decades in ish to Mm -hmm. rap and hip hop. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as my knowledge goes, I know it was like a late eighties thing, but anyway, um, and now it's sort of things start to recycle through and it's a lot harder when you're recycling something to make it worth listening mm. to for a long time. Do you have any guilt? Well, I hate the term guilty pleasure because I, I don't think you should be guilty about anything that you like. Yeah. Unless it's harming someone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
But uh, do you have, what do you listen to? What's your like <laughs> your go to? Like you're getting ready yeah. to go out. Like you just want some ear candy to put on. Like so, what, going what out, go going to party. Yeah. So I'm. I've always been a playlists lady. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that maybe that'll change one day. I think if. I would love to buy a record player and then I could listen to albums. But So I have a couple of um, what I call my trash playlists for feeling good. Um, if I was going to get really trashy, like really trashy, or probably would flick on some of Lady Gaga, the fame, like really early Lady Gaga when she yep. first came out. When she um, had the blonde bob, that was the yeah, best Yeah, she was place, cool. Man. She was yeah. cool, man. Like Bad awesome. Romance, mm. Just Dance, Poker Face, that stuff was cool. Um probably flick on some Avril Lavigne, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. But oh. my real guilty pleasure, like what makes me happy in my soul, and I'm not even guilty about it, is ABBA. I love ABBA. That's and then ABBA fills me with joy. And I don't care. Like if I'm going partying and someone puts on Mamma Mia or dancing, I'm there. I'm on the floor. Like I'm about it. I don't care. Like I've yeah. had so much rubbish about liking ABBA. And I'm, get over really? it, guys. It's who, who are you hanging around? Um, <laughs> noobs, obviously. <laughs> Ava are great. What's your guilty pleasure musically? We get um, really trashy with me because I just admitted Kelly Clarkson. So. Oh, dude, I go straight, uh, really obscene gangster rap. Okay, yeah. obscene. Like Tyler the Creator stuff, or yeah, Tyler, cool. yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of like ASAP Rocky. Yeah. Whoa. Like, <laughs> a lot of um, I, lo- I love Kanye. Yeah. I feel like I love he's, Kanye. He's playing. He's playing the part, like his intent. It's all, it's all an act. I Do think. you think so? I think he's, he's, he's playing it up. Yeah. Like him and Donald Trump. Well, they were seen together, but like they're both doing the same shit. Yeah. They're both yeah, really playing the villain. Yes. Um, but I don't know. That's that, that's my gut feeling anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Kanye. Um, who else have I been listening? I, Travis I'm not Scott. Gonna lie. People don't like. I like Travis Scott. He's like, all right. Bieber, I'll put on Bieber, man. Late, Whoa. late, like um, late Bieber. Late, like he's gone really like the like, recent stuff. R and B. Yeah, the recent stuff's actually all right. It's like legit catchy. Yeah, yeah, I get along with that, but yeah. not not early. I tr- not early I Bieber. Tried, no, no. you know, because when when Justin Bieber came out, One Direction came out, sort of the resurgence of boy bands and sort of candy men that little girls could consume. I really wanted to be a part of it. I felt I was a bit of an outcast in terms of my music taste because when I was younger, I was listening to a lot. Of, and I was glad, like, the friends that I had around me were, you know, sort of the hipster kids as well in the same sense that we all listened to a lot of the Stones and the Beatles and we mm-hmm. liked throwback, like, David Bowie stuff, you know. So that was what we were all getting into. Um, but a lot of my friends loved Justin Bieber and all of those people and I just couldn't get around it. I remember watching his documentary and being, like, 14 or 15 or something and just sitting there and be like, oh, is this garbage? This guy's so annoying. I know. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I'll meet him one day and I can – and I would have to apologize, but <laughs> but he just came across. They will come across as so shallow and just like manufactured mm. that I just couldn't. Totally, that he he's a pretty hard pill to swallow. Um, but also- I respect what he's done though. Like I really do, and I think that people don't give it enough credit how much work it is from a fourteen year old boy mm. to do. He's done worldwide tours. You know, he sold millions of albums, recording. You know, having a taste of it now, the amount of performances that he's done. At first, I would just be like, oh, it's a dream life. No, it's not a dream life. It's a really hard life. It's hard work. Mm. It has huge payoff, but it is hard work what he's done. So kudos. Yeah, but I think uh, I wouldn't act any different than him if I had that amount of money and that amount of fame. Like <laughs> I think enough. I would be a total. 
But not even like intentionally. I think naturally you just yeah. become a douchebag. It's what like, are you going to do if everyone tells you you're great from exactly onwards? when there's cues of like yeah girls Screaming just wanting to bitches. tear your clothes off like yeah yeah and exactly you got, like a Porsche you got any fucking car you want yeah. All the cash you want, like yep. um, everything you tweet gets like another million retweets. Like, yep. Every photo of you. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Every every like every move you make, every time you go to a cafe, there's paparazzi. Yep. You know, there's people following you, like it's literally that's stalking you. Scares me to be honest. About, yeah. I think that I hope to be that successful, up. but mm. yeah, it scares me. Celebrity culture, paparazzi culture. I would hate to get that famous. Mm. I would love to get that famous and I would hate to get that famous, you yeah. know. I'm not that interested in money. I would like enough money to be able to live and just support myself. It would just be really great to be able to have a house and have a car and things like that and just be able to do things I wanted to do. But um, it's not really about that so much, but the idea of getting recognised on a global level is obviously the dream, but it's also not because, oh, my God, I don't want people telling me I'm great. I don't want to forget that I'm just a person, yeah. you know. You forget yeah. if, if everyone doesn't treat you like them anymore. No, they're just people around you just filling your head with hot air. Yeah. Like that's all they do. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, this, you've got people to dress you for every outing. You've got your whole schedule's planned. Every party you go to has an itinerary. Yeah, Everything you eat, like, everything is catered, like... Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to cook for yourself. You're driven everywhere. Yeah. There's some dude that drives you everywhere. Yeah. Um, you've got any car that you want. You Even know. when I look at like my songs and songwriting, I feel as though so much of it hinges on the experiences of everyday life. And I actually think that that's what's gone wrong for people like Kanye West is that he his uh, first three, four albums were really centered around his own experiences in life. And especially, you know, the early, early work, like uh, graduation, college dropout, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he'd come from the poor side of Chicago. He'd had a rough upbringing and it was what made people love his raps because you know, you listen to it. It's like, man, I feel that. I relate to that. So it almost scares me the idea of being at that level because how could you possibly relate to the people that are consuming your music? How could you possibly relate to their lives when you don't even have to go through missing a bus or, you know, and being late to something because you have a personal driver, something as basic as that that just doesn't even bother you? you well, know? that's why I find as, as un- it's the unfortunate thing when um, artists get really successful and their music just does a 180. Yeah. You know, like uh, like you said, you know, the early Kanye days you compare to so now good. where it's just like he's I really king. didn't like Life of Pablo. Yeah. I don't, um, I'm not into it. I, I liked um, Jesus. Yeah, that, that, that was, was cool. good. Yep. Um, not I do very like good rap-wise, though. Some, yeah, I like that he polarizes people. Yes. Yeah, me too. I I, he's really always cool taking tactic. risks. Mm. Um, the only problem I had with Jesus was that a lot of the raps were just really shallow. Yeah. That's been the problem with Kanye. It's actually yeah. not his mixes. His mixes are still great. His yeah. loops are still great. But um, even on Life of Pablo, but his lyrics are so shallow, so boring. It's weird how it's just blatant sexism is like kind of okay in that realm. Mm. It's like, just yeah, Snapchat, that hoe, and yeah. all that stuff. It's like fine. Or I don't know if it's fine, but like you still see a lot of, like half of the audience are women. Yeah. Are girls, like young girls. Yeah. That are like... Basically, listen to a whole pile of cussing and swearing and like yeah. overtly sexual shit. And yeah, it's like whoa. <laughs> Why do you think it is in <laughs> rap music that it's the only genre that really gets away scot free from the sort of yeah. like social justice stuff? Because mm. you know, even a lot of um like LBGTQ people love mm. rap. Everyone loves rap, really. Let's be honest; it's great to party to. But no one ever really talks about how offensive a lot of lyrics are. And I'm not necessarily saying I think that's a problem. I mm. think people should pretty much be able to say what they want to say. But yeah. I think it's really interesting that rappers have got this charisma where they're just like, 
Yeah. They kind Fuck of. Fuck it. I do what I want. Yeah. Well, Tyler, the creator, got really crucified at one at one stage. But what did he actually? What did he say that finally got him crucified? Because he's so offensive. I, I that think he's it not? was uh, just his character. Like a lot yeah. of people were protesting. I think he tweeted a whole bunch of shit before his tour. Okay. Yeah. But um, it, he basically got denied entry. I think. Whoa. Um, to Australia, I have well, to check my facts I on did, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I heard that actually. Something like that, yeah. right? Like they actually outright just said you can't come in. Wow. Um, but I'd have to look up that up. But but that's his whole game, is that he's a provocateur. Yeah, that's what yeah. he does. He doesn't mean it. He's saying it because it's offensive and it gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Like a Milo Yiannopoulos, like yeah. a Donald Trump, it yeah. gets people attention. It gets the people talking about them. Yep. Yeah. You sure you're 21? <laughs> you know a lot of shit now. You should have a podcast. I've got a lot. I would love to have a podcast. It's actually a <laughs> secret dream. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be great at a podcast, man. I would love to. I you know way more to. stuff than I did when I was 21. When I was 21. Just a lot of random info. I was wearing, what was I doing in 20? I think I was still wearing cargo pants. Something really Cargo, late. like with pockets and that? Yeah, with pockets. Whoa. Like, yeah. did you ever get those ones that you can actually zip off into shorts? Uh, yes, <laughs> I actually yes. did. They were black and no. they were baggy. Oh. This is back when, like, uh, it's so weird. It's gone the other way. Now it's the whole skinny thing. Yeah. Like, but I, I've been, I'll Give be honest, I'm, I'm repping. But it, I'm repping that. But, like, I think even, you're right, I think that'll fade out pretty soon as well. Yeah. The whole everything, skinny thing. Everything does. Yeah. I think what's next, what's approaching, is not baggy. It's not skinny. It's actually just well-fitted jeans. So take note, gents. <laughs> <laughs> so just slightly, yeah, well-fitted. Yeah. A right, little yeah, bit yeah. baggy, for example, at the bottom where you mm-hmm. might roll up or something like that. Um, yeah. But not too baggy that you've got like almost two, three legs worth of space in yep. a, in one. Were you a fan of the drop crotch at all? No. no. Oh, look, I was a when I was a little girl. I was really pretty into my Usher, pretty into my Chris <laughs> Brown. Um, as far as you know, celebrity crushes go. Yeah. It was either them or Tom Welling from Smallville. There was nothing yeah. in between. <laughs> um, so I did get around the drop crotch. Yeah. Yeah. Did you wear them, or did. were you just a fan of them? Have you? So I'm quite short. Okay. I'm also quite stumpy in every yeah. way. Okay. So no, because for me to wear it, I just look like an umpalumpa, or I look like <laughs> I'm just wearing a garbage bag. It doesn't. That's uh, it. It's like you're wearing a diaper. Not for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's full. That's gross. I don't want to. I don't want to put that out there. So. Oh my god, I've 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 got it. I'll admit, I'll, yeah. I do have a couple of pairs <gasps> of, of drop crotches. Are they like the sweat pant ones? Like yeah, sort of with that like, Y3 like, Yeezy style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see you rocking that actually. Because I I wear that in sneakers. If if I'm on a flight, yeah. they're, they're so comfortable. Fair enough, fair enough. It's yeah. different for guys than it is for girls, though. Mm. Because, you know, for girls, your body shape is just different and it's better to accentuate your waistline and sort of, you know, make your legs look smaller, things like that. For guys, it's cool. Like, it looks fine wearing a drop crotch on mm. a dude. I know the look that you're talking about, though, and I actually think that you would pull it off. Yeah. The What, what, what look are you... Just with the sort of the low-hanging sweats and the yep. sneakers, like mm. especially on a flight or... My dancer friends are the ones that always have drop crotch pants. Yeah, you it's know? comfort That's over. Look. Like I'm thinking more about the comfort than how it looks. Yeah, because like I know I like I don't like bagginess around my ankles. Yeah, so I like the enough. tightness at the bottom. But then I like to be able to like cross my legs and move around when I'm in the flight or yeah, traveling. Of course, of course. So then you've got that drop crotch. 
And, you know, if you shit your pants, it's like you've got <laughs> no something to catch know. it. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, with skinny jeans, man, it's impossible to bend over and fucking... Well, my there. jeans, you wouldn't know this because I'm wearing quite a baggy top, but my jeans are fully undone right now. Like, oh, really? I'm not just sitting down. They're Have you eaten tight. a lot? Is that why? Um, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> my mum was really... We've had we've been having dates. You know when you're getting on really long with one of your parents? You're just in a good space Yeah, I get along really well with my parents. Oh, that's so good. every that's dinner good. we'll just talk about... We'll start talking about politics and... Everything. Mum will be like, oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, can we stop? Same shit. It's just like dad and the son. Yes. It's just like dominating and talking about shit, but... Man. But that's my that's my dad's that's my dad's side politics economy yeah literature I'll tell you what's wrong with yeah. Yeah, exactly it's yeah. quite funny they're very so my dad and my stepmom are very uh, Christian very conservative I was raised in a super Christian household you know I was the kid that brought scripture mints to school and made people wow. read the scripture if they wanted to have a mint <laughs> that was my way um yeah it was, it was brought my Bible you would extort people you would you would time <laughs> and I actually yelled at one of my friends and I'm sorry Chelsea if you're listening <laughs> Um, I actually yelled at her once because she was Jewish and she said, oh, my God. And I said, oh, how dare you say my Lord's name in vain? Oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. How old were you? Like 10. Okay. Yeah. That's so it was right. young enough for, that there was an excuse. It was yeah. okay. 10 or 11, something in there. I was in a pretty um, outspoken phase of my life. Yeah. So what are you like now? Are you, are you still kind of religious or not? Or Not that I'm – you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. No, nah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I When I was about – 15, 16, mm-hmm. sort of, I moved away from the church then. Um, not necessarily Christian values. And this is something that isn't very popular when I say it, but I really think that the Bible for me and growing up in a Christian, found, with a Christian foundation, um, it gave me a lot of stability and a lot of sort of understanding about morals and doing the right thing. But as I got a bit older and I sort of experienced more of the world, there was just some specific things that I disagreed with within Christianity that I thought, well, I can't really call myself a Christian because I don't believe in picking and choosing so much. But um, so, for example, you know, the gay marriage thing, it just clicked with me one day that I was like, well, you know, I was born straight. I never thought about it. I just know that I like guys. I just I've never questioned it. And I just put myself in someone who's gay's shoes and just thought, Lord, that would just be awful to be vilified for something that you can't actually help. Like That's just how you feel because I thought to myself, I couldn't make myself gay if I wanted to. Likewise, someone who's gay can't make themselves straight. So for that, you know, for that reason and the whole sex before marriage thing, I just, um, yeah, felt that I moved away from where the, the church's stance on some of those things. But there's a lot of stuff within Christianity that I do agree with that I think, you know, the love of thy neighbor and sort of turn the other cheek. I think there's a lot of good foundations there. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't subscribe to any particular religion because you know if you look at miracles from anything and you look at any religion around the world um something that i struggle with is the idea that there could possibly be one because i think you know you look at hindus you look at muslims you look at even buddhists there's all of these different groups of people that have experienced what they would describe as nirvana or being in touch with a mm-hmm. higher spirit and or higher gnosis being. or like you know the idea of uh, communing with the with the, the divine all, exactly with the divine. exactly yeah. mm-hmm. so i feel like um, it's just really limiting to say that there's only one when I think that it's obvious that from all around the world, different groups of people have, in a unique way to their culture and their environment, have interpreted the same basic feeling and connection. So I still am quite a spiritual person in that sense that I believe in sort of this idea of a one, of a omnipresent mm-hmm. being, of an energy in the world, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily that you could possibly just have one. I don't one, think that's yeah. realistic. There's 
you know, there's too many different influences from all around the world. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the religions have the same basic ideas, though, and I think we can still learn from those ideas, from those moral systems, mm-hmm. um, despite living in a secular kind of society. It's, it's a shame because I, I read the Bible and I find there's a lot of... First of all, I really do think the Bible is a codex. It's like a... yeah. It's all shrouded in mysticism and numerology, and yeah. I think if you take it at face value, it's a ridiculous story. Yeah. But yeah. if you look deeper, uh, especially um, when you convert it to ancient Hebrew, yeah, like there's a lot. They knew some fucking shit. That's what I think, anyway. That, yeah, me too. That probably throughout the ages gets really watered down. Yeah. And as as society gets more modern, which we, we try and shed those old kind of ways of thinking Mm -hmm. but um i really think there's something to that and i kind of see a resurgence of even that that new age spiritualism really coming back um where because even pagans don't deny the existence of a god they just choose to worship the more the the elements you know fire water which makes sense in its own way Mm -hmm. but they always recognize a creator yeah. Or and all. Yeah. Um, that that is above all. I I don't agree either with really staunch atheism. I think that's really narrow. Yeah. Um, but that's just me as a person because I think I'm I've always been kind of spiritual even as a kid. Yeah. It's kind I, of almost part of an artist's soul, isn't it? Yeah. A lot I of think. The time. Yeah. There's definitely a correlation with creative people and spirituality. Um, and spirituality. And yeah. yeah. And and looking at things from different angles and. Yeah. Maybe even looking deeper at the subconscious as well. Yeah, I think a lot of creative people like exploring that because that's Absolutely. where some of the most powerful art comes from. That headspace, you know, yeah. your subconscious. Yeah, precisely. Um, but yeah, I, th- I find it really sad when religious people get don't get listened to it either. I but. think our generation, the younger people, are definitely too quick to brush off the values of those institutions because of some of the historical problems that have arisen. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the Vatican, Catholicism, churches like that are really fascinating when you look at their history because they are set up in conjunction with the state, um, arguably as a way of controlling the masses, in inverted commas, Mm -hmm. um, because if people have a cohesive value system in a society, it's much easier to sort of agree on things. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, actually, because mm-hmm. it's true. It does actually help a society in general to be more cooperative if everyone's abiding by a similar value system and a similar concept of freedom and love and um, family structure, things like that. But um, it is quite interesting when you look at the history of those because some people would definitely argue that churches like that, like the Vatican, like um, mm-hmm. the Church of England, were set up more with that intention rather than just as an institution for spirituality to blossom and for mm-hmm. people to be in touch with, you know, a higher power. Mm-hmm. But um, I think because of that, because of the bad history, because of everything that's happened with the Catholic Church specifically, it's obviously that's more relevant to us living in Australia because we are a Judeo-Christian society. Mm-hmm. You know, England, our Western roots all come from Christianity and Jewish values. So it's more relevant to us here. But I think as a result, it's been super rejected because there's so much evil that's existed in something that was supposed to be so good and it almost, because it was supposed to be so good, causes an adverse reaction in the other way Mm -hmm. Um, where exactly like you said, it needn't be something that doesn't have any conversation around it at all Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I mean, 
honestly, a lot of the Christians that I know in my life are the happiest people I know. They're the yeah. happiest people I know because they have that set of values and set of community. It's the community that's really important. It's mm-hmm. going somewhere every Sunday, every Friday, you know, and talking to people about how you're going in your life, what you're struggling with, and and even even just the small things. Like, I don't think that there's a lot of conversation around do you feel like you're being a good person? Do you feel like you, you know, it's it's very rare to have friends talking openly about the fact that I actually feel like this week I spoke really badly to my parents or um, I lied to a colleague and I feel bad about that. So how do I, how do I fix that? And, you know, even from a secular point of view, you could talk about those things and it would help people to understand their own moral structures a bit better and to just feel more connected to those around them by asking for advice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think religion is the place where those kinds of discussions start. And like I said, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be religious. It could be done secularly just with your friends, but there's mm-hmm. definitely a void there. And I think that our generation, our younger people seem quite unhappy. People seem really unhappy t- to me at least. Well, this is interesting because I, I'm getting the viewpoint from someone that's younger than me, mm. which, is, which is really cool because I, I've been talking to a lot of people that have been in my sphere, obviously I'm going to talk to people that I know well. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're kind of my peers, like uh, around my age group. But yeah. it's interesting that you say that a lot of people that you hang around, you feel that there's a fundamental like uh, sense of unfulfillment. Do you, absolutely. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think anyone, I think that's not just younger people. I think mm. that's everyone. And that has a lot Definitely. more to do with the way that society is geared at the moment mm-hmm. um, than and that part of that part of that is the lack of religious values, or rather, just an understanding of value structures yeah. in general. Well, there's there's no sp- spiritual component. I really, I really, really believe that a spiritual component to life is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just a connect. It's a tethering thing. You know, you're connected yep. to things. You're more grateful for things. And people would argue, well, uh, I don't need that to be grateful to be a good person. But it's not really about that. It's more about understanding who you are mm-hmm. yeah and yeah like what you love what that feeling of unconditional love mm-hmm. that or joy as as the Buddha, uh, buddhists call it you know where you're at peace internally because yeah. i think a lot of people aren't at peace internally yeah there's a lot of conflict there probably in in areas of situations natural human state isn't mm. it yeah we don't have to fight for our food anymore we don't yeah. have to fight to build stuff we're not in constant danger anymore yeah so we're kind of all of our needs are kind of taken care of now in the modern world. Yeah. There's all this energy inside us um, that used to be um, expelled through these things like hunting and survival yeah. and procreating. Like people mm-hmm. were afraid that they might not see the next day. Yeah. You know, that, that was what was uh, the fuel for humanity uh, yeah. surviving until this day and age. So it, we don't have that anymore. Mm, it's so weird, now. Isn't it? We have this, all this energy. So now we're dwelling on phantom things that don't exist. Like, oh, am I good enough? Like, yeah. am I pretty enough? Am I, I going to have enough money? Yeah. How am I going to make this work? Uh, am I happy in this career yeah. path? Does what my do job I want to be? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's all these fears and doubts and worries that are manifesting now. <laughs> too much extra energy, really. <laughs> exactly. And there's nowhere to expel that. Yeah. So we just kind of sit and we medicate through social media or socializing or mm-hmm. getting drunk and fucked up and yeah so there's a lot of medicating going on and i think people are really unfulfilled and they don't really even know it like yes yeah they're kind of oblivious to even it's a numbing mechanism yeah and even bringing that up though mm. like hey like how do you feel like some people are like what yeah 
just kind of go. <laughs> like, they don't know how to respond to that deeper level of conversation, which I think is so important. It's so important to have a good foundation of friends yep. that think like you on the same frequency and that you can reach out to yep. to have these conversations, which are, it's so important to have conversation. And that's Meaningful why conversation. I love this podcast is to have <laughs> conversations like this um, yeah, absolutely. And, and to know that it's not weird at all to think about things in a deeper way. Life after death. Or anything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, if you're satisfied There's a lot of fear with social media, I think, especially because, you know, Instagram. And I mean, I like it. I enjoy I enjoy having social media Mm -hmm. and it's very necessary for my job. um, But it's also necessary for me not to get too caught up in it because it's something I'm hyper aware of that you go online and people are posting the best things in their life, the highlights of their life to make it look as good as possible, because that's what you're doing. You're sharing the highlights. So it's almost more confronting to talk about things that are a bit darker um, honestly with people just saying, you know, actually, I feel a bit crap. Like I just, Mm. I don't feel very good lately because so many cultural things now are geared towards showing off the best that you can be Mm -hmm. and the best, best things that have happened to you. Mm -hmm. But I, but I think going to that um, sort of spirituality sense, I think even people that are atheists, because sort of for a while I identified a lot more with atheism or rather I, I'm a big fan of people like Christopher Hitchens, Mm -hmm. um, Richard Dawkins. I liked, I just like to listen to people talk and just listen to their ideas and then sort of take what I agree with and discard what I don't basically. But I think that you can have the same spirituality, even devoid of if, if religion really turns you off, that's fine. But even just understanding space, understanding the natural world is a kind of spirituality of its own because if you're sitting in the moment and you're marveling at, you know, some amazing natural objects and you're marveling at the fact that as far as you're concerned, it's just there by chance. That in and of itself is a kind of spirituality and connection to the world that goes beyond your job, your Mm -hmm. money, your friends, your family. It's a connection for you to identify with something that is bigger and has more purpose than, or not necessarily more purpose, but has existed before and will exist after you as well. And that's peaceful. Mm -hmm. So I I find a lot of peace with things, learning about space. I'm a huge fan of space and and yeah, the natural world just in general. So yeah. Yeah, It's, it's bizarre because like to me, the existence of a higher power, the signature is all is everywhere Mm. in life. When you see perfection, like a, a crystal or a flower or a yeah, planet. Yeah. That to me, I'm not identifying that with a bearded man like a god, you know, <laughs> looking down and I don't think having created that, like but, that. Yeah. But it's like the the patterns. Yeah. That the you know, like the golden ratio, things like that yes. that really show that life is really this amazing vibration. Mm. Um and that you you almost can't not have a spiritual component when you look at that because yes. it's like that is the idea that that whether you think it was completely random or whether it was architected you know actually created um they're both beautiful ways to look at it absolutely i think at the end of the day both both sides are kind of marveling at the same thing yes exactly as well, long as you're able to appreciate it doesn't exactly. matter what standpoint mm. it just matters that you appreciate exactly. it. exactly there's just this um phantom wall between them that doesn't really exist like i think at the end of the day fundamentals always unite humanity and that that is we all want to be loved and we all want to give love and we all want to receive love what's the amazing so this is something this is kind of the reason why i think that creative types are perhaps more often predisposed to being kind of spiritual Mm. because i would say to me and i'd love to hear your experience with this 
whenever I'm engaging in my creative field, so for example, it used to be drawing like you, you know, when you're a kid and you just get so absorbed in it and you're just, so so unlike you, I was a big fan of Calvin and Hobbes. And oh Zips. my God. Huge I was a huge fan, fan of Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Holy shit. I loved, I loved, I had read all the books. My parents had like a 50 anniversary. Anyway, that was what, I, the far side um, comics like that. So I used to draw up a lot of comics and it was the same experience as what I then had later in my life with music of just being completely absorbed in the moment, completely absorbed with what you're doing. That is the closest so far that I've ever experienced with touching, I guess, that divine mm-hmm. essence. I think being in the moment is almost what the divine essence is because the moment in of itself is often perfect. Mm. You know, I'd say like 99% of the time, depends where you live, of course, but mm. for a, a lot of people, you know, walking down the street, the moment in and of itself can be perfect as long as you can actually be in it. Even if it's raining, you can appreciate that. You can get in touch with that. So I feel like that's sort of why creatives are more spiritual. Not not always. I don't want to generalize because there's yeah. a lot of people working in an offices that would be like, excuse you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that it's that getting in touch with something that just consumes you, just mm-hmm. consumes you in the moment. Well, there's this author named Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote yeah. <laughs> Big Magic. You've read you that? You Can Heal Your Life? She uh, has magic too. lessons. That one too. She's, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but I really like her take on the idea that create like ideas are actually tangible things floating in the ether yeah and humans are merely we're kind of like conduits yeah that tap into that little antennas exactly yeah yeah. and then we kind of manifest the idea speaks through us yeah we don't speak the idea yeah so there's something (laughs) um out there that's wanting to be birthed into this world into this realm and we're merely the, the conduit for that. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's a really interesting way at looking at anything creative, especially music. And I find when you get into those zen-like meditative zones, mm-hmm. that's when there's no filter at all between you and that idea flowing through you from that other yeah. place, whatever you might call that. Yeah. Some people say, you know, it's well, it's a part of your brain. Some people like to think of it as an actual, in a more spiritual sense, uh, another plane or another realm of existence that's kind of tapping through you that's, in that's order to be born. That's something I see for sure. Yeah. And so I think when, when we get into those meditations, we, we can only speak clearly when we're in that state of mm-hmm. um, non-resistance. To non-resistance. Any, that's yeah, what it is. To, to the idea. idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's when it can flow through you. And that's when you kind of feel like um, a higher calling or a higher idea is working through you. Yep. You um, just get lost in it. Mm, exactly. And I think that's, uh, I find that a lot in performance. Yeah. When I, you're I, doing I get, a sh- an actual show? Yeah. When I'm actually sure. playing drums and I forget the whole show. Awesome. Like, because it's not, I haven't been using a, uh, a waking state level of consciousness when awesome. I perform. I'm kind of a little bit under that. Yeah. I'm kind of in the, that alpha Almost state. Almost autopilot where, yeah, to an extent. Kind of autopilot, yeah, but still at the same Very time. Very focused, but. Hyper aware. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. Had, I've had Scott K on from Voyager. He was, I like it. Yeah, um, he was talking about that. It's like you're zoned out, but you're hyper aware. Yes. So it's you can weird. hear a pin drop, you, your, your eyes are darting, you can see everyone in the room clearly, yet you're not. You're doing something you've rehearsed a million times. Exactly. At the same so time. that muscle memory is kind of taking over, mm-hmm. but you're also in the moment, in the present, yeah. uh, in the right, in like in right now. So you're not dwelling on the past, and you're not you're not looking at the future. Yeah. You're kind of just 
doing looking it. at the note, note by note, playing everything, and yeah. you don't even feel like you're really in your body sometimes. Which it's I very find, freeing, isn't it? Yeah, very, very liberating. Freeing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I I can understand that some people would find it intimidating, but yeah, no, that that feeling of just um, being on stage and you're lost in it, but you're not. You're mm. lost in it, but you're completely there. And you kind of let go. Yeah. All expectation. You have to. You have to otherwise, you just get. Cr- My worst gigs are when I've expected. Mm-hmm. When I start expecting things on yeah. stage, like uh, then I get upset that things aren't right, and yeah. then that's when it, you start going down that spiral yeah. of, of of a bad show when the sound's not right, you know. Or I guess because that expectation, if we're talking about things from a spiritual perspective of channeling that energy, mm-hmm. um, that expectation is in its own way a resistance, a resistance. to what yeah. is truly going to happen because you're controlling it. You're trying to yeah, control precisely. the outcome. Or you're trying to get a certain outcome, which then defeats the purpose of actually yeah. doing it. So yeah, um, I find that especially um in writing. I heard this really interesting interview with Michael Jackson, um, and I've I've looked at a lot of different songwriters because I don't actually know that many songwriters. I know a lot of musicians, but I don't often get to talk to other people that write because it is a bit different to just um focusing on your instrument. It's a different sort of way of looking at it. But um, I listened to an interview with Michael, and he was saying that he doesn't feel that he's ever really written things. He feels as though he's basically, and um, the lead singer of Mick Jagger said this as well about writing, um, that it felt like you're almost tuning into a radio station and you're listening in to, you're listening, you know, it's channeling through you and it's something that is coming from somewhere else and what writing is really all about is tuning into that right frequency for whatever song needs to come out. But for example, he just said when he was writing Billie Jean, he just he put it out there into the world. He was religious, so he obviously asked God, you know, I, I want to have a song that's got a really driven bass line. And then he just waited for that to come and he was just driving in his car and it just falls into your head. And that's exactly what I found. You know, it just it just falls in. It's just there. And it's like you're listening to something that's already been done and you're just the one that's lucky enough to get to write it down. And I think that if you think of it like that, it makes you a lot more humble because it's not really you. Like, don't yeah. sit there and think is you. It's not. Like, it's it's that higher power that you're lucky enough to be humble enough to channel, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. It's the Mission Control Podcast. Yeah, definitely. Do you write? I used to. Yeah. But now I'm kind of... I like when content is re- like I'm very much um I wouldn't say a session drummer but mm-hmm. I like I like adding my flavor to yeah. stuff that's kind of been written already yeah um uh, as for actual like pure songwriting I haven't really tried that in yeah. a long time but I play a bit of guitar but um are you a, do you play more than one instrument I when I was a kid I grew up playing piano so I did that from 6 to 12 or 13 and then I picked up guitar when I was 13, just for a year, just just under a year. And I pretty much just learned basic chord shapes. And then after that, I've just taught myself with guitar. Um, and then in between there from uh, like from nine to 13, I played cello as well. Okay. So there's a bit of musical experience there, but I've never really had um, proper training with it. I've had the public school version of, of musical training. And um, because I was always more interested in writing songs and actually creating things, um, yeah, I was not a favorite at school. I just, I just get bored. I was like, I don't yeah. want to learn. I, I appreciate what other people do. I want to learn about it from that stance. But, you know, instead of doing concert practice 24-7, can't we see if we can write something, if we can make something new? Like, mm-hmm. if you've got all this new information coming in about what other people have done, it makes me excited to be like, well, let's go and see what we can do with this. Let's, mm-hmm. let's play, you know, let's play with it. Yeah. 
that's uh, I think uh, learning institutions can be kind of hit and miss when it yeah. comes to creative stuff. I think yeah. it can for for some people it can really enhance. Absolutely. It depends on the teacher, really. Definitely depends on the teacher, depends on the student, yep. um, what they get out of it. But I think for a, uh, quite a few people I know that went to places like Whopper, um, mm-hmm. like they love-hate, love-hate relationship with it because yep. it's like it can kill your personal creative yep. drive sometimes when yep. things are a little too structured. Um, yeah, that's and, definitely the case for me. Yeah, and you're graded on your yeah. music. I'm like, what? I don't like that. How, how, I, I, like, I, I wasn't that good at school in general, and then when that's applied, well, I was going to ask, how was your to, experience at school in general? Um, I was go? okay. Like, I was great at expressive things like English, mm-hmm. but when it came to things like economics, maths, mm. I was a f- absolute fail- <laughs> absolute yeah. failure because, like, it. I don't know why I had such a massive resistance to learning it. Yeah, I could not put my finger on it. Like I uh, just found it. Like when you say resistance, do you mean outright resistance, or do you mean just in your head resistance. being too bored? It felt like my soul was like, "That is not for you." Yeah, like the whole one plus one equals two thing is not yeah. for you. Yeah, but I can write about that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I can absolutely. write about the concept of one and what is one. But yeah, when you just give me like equations after equations, mm. I, I, would, I would just zone out. I was really, really bad at maths. Um, Same. I think I got like a. E or a D in, Whoa, in, um, in economics yeah. because I actually like for my TEE. Do they do they still have TEE? Oh my gosh, it was TEE. Then it was waste. Then it was ATAR. I think it's something different what now. What the fuck are these acronyms? I know, this is I know. Because like I said, I got older siblings, so we've just watched it change every couple what? of years for no reason. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, so your TEE in my TEE exam for economics, I wrote a whole article. I didn't even answer the question. I, ho- I wrote a whole article on why money and capitalism was evil. Oh wow! And I, yeah, got a, cool. I failed the whole thing yeah, of miserably. You um, but my teacher kind of called me in and went, "This is kind of cool, but yeah. you, you failed. Well obviously. written, but not the but, point. And it's not what we were looking for, Daryl. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I see what type of person you are. I see where you're coming from. Um, so I think I kind of, in a really weird way, gained a bit of respect. They could feel like I, I was. I knew the fact that it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, and that's important, but, I think. Like, school is... Um, I'm not one of those people that think school is all evil. Um, no, absolutely I think not. we're very privileged to be able to go mm. to school and have these, you know, available educational systems. And I think that in a lot of privileged countries, people do complain about it a lot and forget that there are millions, if not billions of people that would die to just be able to go somewhere and get a qualification and learn things, you know? So I think it's flawed, but I don't think it's all bad. But I think that's an important thing about going to school is the child learning what their skills are and what direction they actually want to go in. So I can see why your economics teacher would have – it's, it's that respect thing of you don't actually have to like my subject, but I can see that you like something, and mm-hmm. that's important. That's more important than anything else, as long as you're getting something out of being here. And if that is English, great. Because mm-hmm. I, I was the same. Like with maths, I was awful. I was actually really good at economics because – um, my dad talked about it a lot growing up, so I had a basic understanding of it before. I already knew who Adam Smith was. I'd already read some books about Keynesian economics um, before I started. But I really liked it because I could understand the theory. And then I went to study it at uni. I went to do an economics degree. Um, and as soon as I got to uni, there was way too, it was all equations and it wasn't the theory anymore because I, I got great grades on all of my essays for it because I understood what they meant. But... Um, yeah, I just couldn't do the maths. I just couldn't do the maths. It just, yeah. numbers don't translate for me. But I think it's so beautiful when you meet someone. And I've got a couple of friends like that. And for them, 
numbers make sense and they just it's almost like music for them you know they just understand it they read it mm. like braille or i don't know you know it's it's yeah. cool it's a different set of skills it's a different way of th- of thinking sorry mm. so yeah i highly 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 respect people that can work with numbers mm. um accounting and any of that stuff um even like physics and yeah chemistry i was not too chemistry bad I on do. but that the balancing was, thing i couldn't do it i couldn't do that either <laughs> yeah. i mean that that to me like was too much in line with the maths thing. Yep. So it was like, oh, uh, it's maths, but with letters. Yes. Like, that's all it is. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, getting into the actual, like, um, practical exercises, like, we're going to mix this with this. I'm like, fuck, yeah. Hell, yeah, use yeah. my hands, let's do <laughs> it. Mixing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, writing letters down seems so fucking abstract to me. Yeah. I couldn't, like, put any, like, tangible... Mm-hmm. to it, yeah. you know? It yeah. was just, like, a bunch of letters to me. But um, I think I'm barely... Sp- Barely got by in, in um, chemistry, but um, social studies, man, I was a gun. Of course. So, so politics like and politics. history yeah, that and kind of stuff. Yep. just uh, debate, debating, yep. um, I really liked. I had a really good social studies teacher that before every class, he would, um, everyone would settle down, everyone would sit down, yeah. um, and he'd be like, all right, what's on your mind, guys? For five minutes, cool. we're just going to talk about what's been in the news. Or how you're feeling, or uh, if there was an election coming up, you know, we talk about certain parties. um, And he would just let the class talk for five minutes. And that became everyone's favorite fucking class. Of course it was. Because it's like, whoa, cool. Like, we're being treated as individuals, humans, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and we get to express ourselves, not only that, but listen to people that we might not agree with. Yes. About certain things. Yeah. But being okay with that. Like yeah, being it's an fine. important part of discussion. Exactly. And that was like, I love that class. So I got A's yeah. in, all, in all those yeah. classes. But um, digital media I loved as well. Of so. course you would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool, yeah. man. Like, I, th- I actually think, to be honest with you, the reason I did so well at economics was because I had a great teacher for it. Likewise, history. Likewise, English, biology. Every, every class, by the time I was in year 12, I had a great teacher for, I was doing really, really well in. Because I, because they treated you well. Because you know, it's it's a mentor and it's guidance. And if they respect you like that, that's fantastic. Like that's the way to, um, especially in such an angsty period. Like my <laughs> my brother and sister are just you know early years of high school, nine and eight. Um, and you know, it's that it's such an angsty, tumultuous time in your life, in your body, in your mind. You're so confused about everything yeah. that just for the small virtue of a teacher asking you. What do you think? Yeah. It just it can completely change your attitude yeah. towards a class. And you're not right. You're not wrong. You know, yeah. it's not like a because that that's what fucks a lot of kids up, man. When you're being told to stand up and read something, mm. and you might not be a good reader, or it might be yeah. as simple as that. Like, or you might have that crushes a lot of people. Like, and yeah. then they they develop this phobia around public speaking. That's where it all comes from, man. Yeah, it's our it's our primary school days. It's our high school days. That's yeah. where where our personalities are imprinted and informed through our experiences uh, even the negative uh, unfortunately a lot of them are charged by the negative mm. experiences that we have yeah about absolutely. being told that we're wrong or failing a class yeah it, it, it's it does something to your your self-esteem i think um i got a big disdain for authority in my primary school years oh really i was but a very precocious uh i got suspended in year nine and then when Sick. i was yeah i know <laughs> and i got in so much trouble i was yeah suspended i was wagging classes um, I never got bad grades, though. That was the thing. I never had bad grades. I just didn't like being told what to do and what I could and couldn't do, especially within 
the realms of just normal individuality. So something as silly as if my shoes had white laces. And I'd just be like, I wasn't even one of the kids that had a bunch of piercings and coloured hair. I was just sitting there trying to live my life. And I'd be like, why are you focusing on this? (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, when I was in year 10, I got filtered into sort of all of the... um, the lower level science, the lower level maths, the lower level English. And the only reason was because I had been suspended and I got in trouble. And at that point, I just got angry. Yeah, because I went to a big school, a lot of kids, just so you get filtered. And I just got mad because I was like, excuse you, just because I might misbehave, my grades aren't bad. My grades were better than some of my friends consistently that had gotten filtered into, for example, the high English. So then I I sort of set my mind to, I'm going to get the best grades that I could. I aced a bunch of exams, got top of the year, and then they moved me up by the time I was in year 11 to the appropriate classes. And well I just done. thought that was really wrong mm. that they had done that at all. So my parents saw that. I mean, my mum didn't make me go to school if I didn't want to go to school pretty much. Like I was a really sick kid, so I spent a lot of time off school anyway, um, just kind of doing my own thing. I had really bad asthma. I was always going in and out of hospital for that. So when I was in primary school, I was barely there. And when I was there, I would cause trouble because I was too talkative and, you know, I'd get <laughs> bored easily. Um, and then by the time I was in high school, it was the same thing. You know, like I think I had a 50% attendance rate or 60% attendance rate in yeah. year 12, very low. Um, but my parents didn't care as long as I had good grades. Mm. My mum specifically, I really appreciate the freedom she gave me with that because it didn't, it didn't make me perform worse. It depends on the kid, but for me, it was the best thing she could have done, giving me the freedom to just go to school when I actually needed to go to school, do the work on my own terms, and then get it done and get good grades. Like, that was all I needed. Well, I think it's when people give you, like, when people trust you. Yeah. And they give yeah, you that. trust. Yeah. They, they let you make that call. And yeah, they, absolutely. They, they place the responsibility in your hands. Yeah. I think naturally the, the incentive is there to do the right thing. I think when you really, like, point the finger at people and be like, nah, you got, you're doing this whether you like it or not, that really, like, Kills the, the the ambition, like yeah. the, the enthusiasm for that class, but for sure, I um I knew this uh, girl, a friend of mine, Melanie. She she uh she used to talk a lot in one of the one of her classes, and she got sat outside for the whole year, I think. But really? she aced the class from the outside, so she she was like, that was such a, an awesome way to just I don't know, like um I wouldn't say get back, but just to prove that you know. The, the, the student's capable of a lot more yeah, absolutely. Than, than they're given credit for. Um, and I think uh, that really goes to show, like, there's a lot of things with the curriculum, I think, the, that are kind of outdated as well. Like, What kind of stuff? I think exams, like the idea of exams, doesn't really necessarily reflect the knowledge that the student has on that topic. I think mm. when you confine everything into, like, those two hours where you have to write and respond to these questions by hand. Mm. I don't know what a, what other way you could do it, though. That's a thing. But, I reckon. Um, I've thought about this a lot because mm. I completely agree. Computers? <laughs> Computers are the answer. Technology. <laughs> um, I think that I agree. I think there should be a mix between exams because the purpose of an exam is for a student and a child to learn how to handle pressure mm-hmm. and learn how to operate under pressure even when they're nervous. So it's good in that sense. But... Perhaps if it was to truly reflect the way that a job will be, the way that life is, have it be like a long-term assignment that they do because that's yes. what actually happens when you get into an office. Yeah, yeah. Like, like so something they sense. can take away, work on, express themselves on and then prove, yeah. and but still match the requirements of the assessment. Yeah. Um, but like also couple that with maybe a one-on-one interview with the student. Yeah. Where they go, all right, so let's talk a little bit about this and 
if they're not able to hold the conversation, then you could probably mark them in that sense as well. Um, I, I really excelled in areas where I had a, a German class where, where I could actually sit down and talk because then you can actually interact. There's a chemistry. And I think you learn other skills that aren't just looking at a sheet of paper because learn how to facilitate good conversation, um, yep. especially in the workplace. Yeah, it's when all about communication in the workplace. Exactly. So yeah. I think that skill is way more important than being able to sit there and regurgitate like exactly what you've read. You yeah. Know? Um, you have to be able to play with it. You have to be able to express words through it, hold a conversation through it. I think that really exposes whether someone really knows their shit or not. In the moment, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. It's um, a great idea. I mean, I've, I've had times where I was sick and I've missed like a uh, presentation. You know how you have to give presentations? Yeah. And so I'd have to give one one-on-one with a lecturer and Instead. it felt way more connected mm-hmm. when there wasn't like an audience there. But so I know that lecturer, so you went to uni then as well? Yeah, I went to uni How'd as well. How do you find uni versus school? Because a lot of people um, who didn't excel in school sometimes excel in uni because there is more freedom for mm-hmm. them. Well, and I, went to TAFE, people, I went yeah. to TAFE first and I did that music course. Which one? Just uh, TAFE music or? TAFE, well, there was a music production course. Woo! And then um, there was the music business course. Cool. Which, did you uh, do both? I did a bit of both, yeah. I did the diploma in music business with uh, a guy named Scott Adam who ran the class at the time. I cool. think that's still going. Yeah. Um, at Leaderville TAFE. You know, the yeah, big, the- man, I'm, I'm going there for Boom on Saturday, Monday. What's Boom? It's Boom Radio. It runs through Leaderville TAFE. It's oh, like in their cool. music place. Right, yeah. yeah, so it sounds like it's still going then because yeah. I remember oh, we were kind of the guinea pigs for that because it was like a really new... How long uh, ago is this now? 2006, 2007. Cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those, yeah. R- those weird sunnies that Kanye West wore in Stronger <laughs> were in. Oh, and everyone like, was wearing the, fluoro? Blind, the blinds yeah. on them, the colour <laughs> I had a pair. Oh, wow. Um, Got them from a show bag, though. I didn't go out and buy them. Yeah. But, man, it's, it's cool to hear that that radio station is still going. Because yeah. I think they were trialling that when I was there, where the, the students would get together and kind of try to oh, it's host a, a radio, store, uh, yeah. radio show. Yeah, that's cool. I think mm. it's great. I really do. I've mm. gone on a couple of... Um, I've gone on, I want to go on RTR, but I've been on 89.7 twice now. First, once with the um, Western Oz, I think that's like the main, the main one, main show that they have. And then live and local as well. Um, and they're both just, they're not run by students, they're kind of grassroots, but it's at Joondalup ECU. So I think that it does operate with students as well. And it's just such a great work experience for if you want to be in radio and it mm-hmm. brings a really cool group of people with similar interests together. Mm. I've loved that experience. Yeah. Yeah. The cool people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said you wanted to go on RTR. You've never. That's Yeah. That's the next step. Yeah, oh, haven't yet there. been on RTR. No, you will get there, for dude. Sure. My thing is just emailing people until they respond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that with you. I was just like, "Hi, we let me go." That's on cool. Show. That's cool that you reached out because, well, you don't know you. You don't know you, what's going to happen. You don't ask. You don't get right. Seek and um, you shall find. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But that's that's a, the power of asking is really that's how this podcast got started. You know, I've, I've so talked. What, what with, was the yeah? Well, uh, long story short, it was me and a friend were. Uh, in a car park um, outside this venue called Manhattan's mm-hmm. um, at the time, Eastwick Park. Yep. It's now shut down because people were complaining about noise, which is oh, really, that's a shame. really shameful. But um, we just started um, having a regular conversation with some substances, you know, we were 
smoking a bit of the bit of the weed. Yeah, the wacky backy. But um, uh, we were just talking. We were ranting about politics. We were ranting about uh, life and all yeah. that. And uh, my friend turns around. And he goes, "Hey, check this out." And he shows me his phone, and he was like, "I've been recording this whole thing wow, for an hour." Wow, cool! And we were like, "Oh, dude!" And we played it back, and we were cringing. Of course, because it's like, "Oh my god!" My I still cringe at my voice, but um, yeah, we were like, "Well, why don't we like? Who's to say we couldn't have those and then kind of just put it up as content? Why not?" And then um, we figured out slowly that fuck, there's millions of podcasts out there, and then that that's when my whole interest with podcasts that's awesome developed. And then we're like, "Well, uh, that would have been quite early on too." Yeah, that. 2011, 2012? Yeah, because yeah, it's all podcasts are pretty new. Yeah, they are. They're and just kind of getting popular now, I mm, think. Yeah, and then we were like, uh, well, we'll just put this out, but what's our strength? Like, what do we like? And it was local music. Yeah, of And uh, gigs, and we found out that pretty much no one was talking to local artists in this fashion. Yeah. Where it's just like, let's take the hinges off and let's just ha- have a just conversation. Have a yeah. Um, and then that's when it grew into... And then more and more people started saying yes, and then cool. But so, did you guys start off asking people, "Do you want to come on?" Absolutely, it cool. was literally like, "Hey, um, we we kind of it was it was so weird because I would just um email a whole pile of people and like I, I'd email like fifty people, right? Mm-hmm. And then like ten would get back to me, yeah. And then but out of those, like happens. three would actually show up. But I yeah. was happy. Even if people just say yes or no, like respond yep. to me. Yes, same. A response was just like hell yeah, you know, like, <laughs> um, because I know how bizarre it is. Like they're like, I don't really know you, um, but you know, we started with and our well, you don't immediate have cred as well. And exactly, you're like, yeah. Oh, people yeah, don't know where I'm kind of like. Does this guy know what he's doing? Like, yeah. But we we dipped our feet in by just having people that we knew really well first. Yep. Uh, just our immediate circle, and it was cool because we knew people playing in bands, so it was really natural. Um, it's not like we all like f- were formally asking them mm-hmm. to come on. It was just like, "Hey, Chris, you want to come on?" And yep. we'd be like, "Yeah." And it was really cool because the right people say yes anyway. Exactly. I, I believe that you know when you say podcast, people either go uh, or they go "fuck yeah, hell yeah, you know I mean? yeah." So yeah. you're one of those people that, that definitely. I'm a were huge into that. fan, and yeah. I can tell that you have a knack for for talking. Just. <laughs> Yeah, I guess good. I do. It's, it's I something do. to be proud of. Like this is the first knack that I ever had was talking. <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm sure you relate though. Like, yeah, just yeah. wordy, right? Wordy little kid. Yeah, and I, I've always naturally, even when I'm out socializing, I talk like this. Yeah, I same. don't care about you know where you're working and all that. I mean, that, that's cool, but I, I, I'm, I'm really allergic to small talk. I hate small talk. Yeah. Um, I want to know more about how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where the connection... What constitutes really... small talk to you? Um, I curiosity. think w- really surface-level talk about things that might not really matter. Okay, cool. If there's no passion in the talk, that's uh, what yeah. I, I think that's cool. what I mean, cool. then I, I would consider that I can really, small yeah. talk. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like, whether... Like, I, I wouldn't want to restrict it to certain subjects because I think all subjects can be really interesting. Um, exactly. but I, think I have a friend that, I mean, you'd say the weather is boring, right? That's small talk, classic. <laughs> but one of my friends has just finished an environmental science degree. Well, she loves yeah. the weather. Yep. She has got interesting things to say about the weather, you know? And it's like <laughs> my favorite realm of conversation yeah. is, well, it's torn between, I suppose, talking about the meaningful topics mm. and then talking, I mean, maybe some people would constitute it a small talk, but I love finding out sort of just like the little nuances in people's lives, so just like small stuff mm. that might be irking them. That's kind of funny, 
to talk about, to break down, you know? Mm. For example, like I've had a really long conversation with someone about um, my detest of people that don't use bath mats and they got like wet tiles and they're just walking around on the cold this tiles. This is freaky. You are so, like so similar to me. <laughs> my, my biggest fear is like wet floor. Yeah, it's I gross. don't know why. It just bothers me. And coupled with like, it's even worse when you get those black... Yeah. Footprints? Yeah. Black footprints. Like, I will run out of there screaming. Just, I don't know why. It's like, gross because it shows you how dirty your shoes are, for yeah. one. Not something I want to know. Well, no, bare footprints on the bathroom floor. Like, they're the wet. Bare. I think if you... Man, if you if you go on tour... I've, I've been on tour, like, and we, we've stayed at some pretty shitty hostels. I can and, and, like, just grubby floors in bathrooms. Like, my, my feet literally curl up when I walk over them. <laughs> I'm like, oh! Wear thongs. Wear thongs. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing thongs Definitely with me thongs. on tour. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, I've had way too many warts from dirty bathroom floors. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty gross to admit that, but, like, whatever. I did squad when I was a kid. It happens all the time. Um, it's filthy, isn't it? But stuff like that, right? It's, like, it's small talk, so it doesn't matter, but it's funny because you find out something quirky about another person, mm. a quirky habit that they have or yeah, yeah. interest or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what my problem is, really. I think I have... Have you been a socially anxious person? Like, are you kind of... Uh, or are you, are you just... <laughs> No, no, no. I don't know. I have no idea. Because, um, like, here, I, I kill it in these circumstances. But yeah. you put me in, in a party yeah. where I have to talk to 30 people yeah. and I'll, like, freak out. When I was a teenager, I went through a long phase from about 14 to 18 of being just having very low self-esteem. I was just going through a bad time in general. Um, and at that phase of my life, it was always that whenever I go out and see people, I'm generally just like this. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy to just talk to anyone. I think it's almost part and parcel of being a front man is having to be able to schmooze with people, if you will, and just kind of talk to anyone and bring up a conversation. So I would feel confident in that sense, but would be riddled with anxiety because I would feel very drained after every interaction. I would feel this huge pressure to keep the conversation going and it would just not be fun for me. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was coming organically. It was something that I had just learned how to do to keep going. So I would say that for a time I struggled with anxiety because I just, you know, if you talked to my friends when I was 16, I just didn't really leave the house. I just did my own thing by myself. You know, I'd go to school, like and then I'd go home. <laughs> just That's like the sound that. of going to school. And then, um, yeah, it would just be really hard to reach, you know, like turn my phone off, just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be around people. Um, Are you an introvert? Definitely. You, so. sound, you sound very interesting. I think I'm, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I love being alone and having time to read and, and play guitar and walk by myself and mm-hmm. just. Be. So, you're by introvert. I think a lot of people misunderstand the word introvert. Yeah, they, I agree. They, they think that you're a hermit uh, by choice, I think. Mm. But when really it's where we get our energy from. And yeah. I get my energy from solitude and being alone. Yeah. Um, some people are energized by other people. Yeah. Um, but. I think working out what you are is really important. Like, Absolutely. There's a test that you can do, the Myers-Briggs test. You probably what is, done What's that. your personality type? Um, INFP. INFP. Interesting. Yep. I'm so, an INTP. Oh, really? Yeah. So what's T? Thinking uh, over thinking feeling. Over feeling. And perception over judgment. Okay. I think. I think. So still quite similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, uh, you're obviously. They're all very like for me. They were all very um, on the cusp, though. You know, okay. I didn't. I didn't have any ones that were particularly strong. High percentage. Yeah. So yeah. it was for me like the either NTP each individual letter was. You know, it was just by a, a relatively small mm-hmm. margin. I think all of them except for perception. That one was fairly strong. Okay. But um, yeah. So I'm I'm not necessarily a true INTP, if you will, but definitely introverted. Yeah. Um. I think it's such a useful thing because you. I'm I'm really fascinated by what other people's letters are because yeah. um, it it tends to expose a lot like sometimes you're around people and you feel like your energy is like being drained. Have, yeah. have you been around people yeah, like that? Yeah, big time, big Not time. Not that I blame them, but like uh especially if they're extroverted and they're kind of I don't I can't describe it, but it feels like they're they're clinging mm-hmm. to you. Like yeah. they're 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 almost leaning on you. Yeah. Even though they're not doing it physically, their yep. their energy, their aura is doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm really, really they're, they're, they're literally taking something out of yeah, the interaction. Yeah, they're draining you. They're like yep. energy vampires. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of friends like that, and I flicked them out when I. Yeah. I was like, it's so know, important to much love, but let, I can't do yes, this. Yes, let them go with love because yep. you don't, like I never blame anyone for just who they are. Who yeah yeah if if they like that, but I may I'm really conscious now of well if I have to hang out with them I have to limit the time mm-hmm. I'm exposed to them because absolutely I feel icky yeah <laughs> I think um, it's um it's almost like an uh, for when I was younger I identified it as certain kids were independent and certain kids weren't mm. and I'm a very lone wolf style character like I say lone wolf like I've I have a lot of people around me that I love I have a lot of friends and family but lone wolf in the sense that I got to do what I got to do some people and that's usually what I found it's like a they want a group they want people around them and that I struggled with because I'd feel almost claustrophobic in the company of of mm. those kinds of friends that want to see you constantly mm. hang out all the time yeah. um you know you got to always be talking to them to maintain the friendship it's just not really for just me high maintenance people high I mean, maintenance yeah. yeah yeah people are like why didn't you why don't you come to the you know yeah, and they're, they're really they they kind of need you rather than want your company. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of eyes or introverted people tend to get, or I think no, let me change that. A lot of empathet, a lot of empaths, mm-hmm. or a lot of empathetic people, mm-hmm. when they get lumped with them, they're kind of really hard to get rid of because. Yeah. A lot of empathetic people, I think, are cursed with also being too nice. Well, because that's part of empathizing. I know, so you don't want to hurt them. So you're kind of literally sacrificing your energy in order to keep someone happy. I think that's a really gross situation to be in. I think I'm really trying to be more conscious of that. Um, of who does that in your life? Of who who's doing that to me, and also being that person. I, I get really. So. I would never want to be that person. Mm. Yeah, that really. I'm, so I'm super talkative, mm. and I'm aware now as I've gotten a little bit older. Like you know, I'm, I'm obviously still very young, so I've got a lot to learn. When I was about 18, I remember I started at the job that I work at now, like at Zambrero. But um, <laughs> everyone there, I had come from Grilled, and Grilled is like a very. There's always like 20 people on shift. It's very high pace. It's very you know do do do. And I was doing like 50 hours a week there. So I was there a lot and I was in that mentality of being super hyper-friendly, always having banter. When I went to my next job, everyone there was a lot more relaxed and I kind of boomed through the door and I was too much for a lot of the people there. Um, And at the time, I remember there was a couple of girls, there was just two girls who they didn't flick on to me so quick. Um, And I was confused because I would just think, well, I'm friendly and I'm asking questions and I'm trying to talk to them. 
And it was only as I got a little bit older and I matured and I calmed down a little bit that I realized, like, man, no, I was I was asking too much. I was being too there, too, you know, wanting to chat. And people yeah. don't always feel like it. And yeah. learning to respect that mm. has been a journey, journey yeah. for me, for sure. I mean, you're quite talkative. Like, do you, do you find when you meet people that you're ever sort of, I guess, chatting too much? No, I'm quite the opposite. I think for people that don't know me, I can actually appear to be the opposite, quite yeah. standoffish, quite like, why isn't that dude talking? Okay, um, cool. So I'm really actually quiet around people I don't know. Okay, cool. So like uh, in public bars and stuff, I tend to keep to myself. I'm, I'm not really one to open up a conversation to, to someone I'm standing with. But um, in these sorts of situations, uh, whether... I guess this is your job. You have to talk to me. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, de- I'm just passionate about this, yeah. this podcast. Yeah. And, um, but I think for people that I do know really closely, um, like I only have a very few really close friends, mm-hmm. like... Maybe two or three really really, really close, close. Fr- friends, yeah. and but then I know a lot of people just on the surface level through music. Of course, um, I don't really open up like this to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I'm actually quite reserved. Yeah, um, maybe to the point of being a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> or standoffish. Well, yeah, I can see yeah. that. I mean, because yeah. like, I, I I like I can I'm the type of dude I can go eat dinner alone. I think everyone should. Uh, I can go to a movie alone. Yeah. Um, and I, I have so many people that are like, that's fucking weird, dude. Like, yeah. really, movie alone? Like, I don't eat. I fucking hate people that eat in movies as well. I don't know. Where I, I'm, I think I'm just getting old. Depends and- what they're eating. <laughs> it depends. It's how loud are they, you know? Uh, when they're opening wrappers, I want to stab them. Yeah. I think. I don't know why. If if they're if I can see if I can sense they're making an effort to be like oh sorry like then I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that I'll but forgive you this time it's when they're fucking oblivious and they're yeah. just like <laughs> yeah then I'm like dude it's just inconsiderate <laughs> it's just inconsiderate all right I, I just hate people that aren't aware yeah of, of the what they're doing like yeah absolutely their level, like you talk to a lot of loud people as well yeah and you're like I well that's probably me sometimes but <laughs> I'm so loud yeah. I can't. Ha- it's but. just my voice. It's just my voice. I become a singer. It projects. <laughs> it projects. I've I've had to learn to quiet down. You know. What's your star sign? Uh Aries. Aries. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. Twenty sixth of March. So. Oh. Um, well, I'm March not, as well. Not too. Are you really? When's your birthday? Second. Uh, so I'm Pisces. Happy birthday. Oh, for before. Yeah. Thank mm. you. Did um, you celebrate nicely? No. I uh, I hung out with my sisters in Melbourne. Not bad. And we had we ate a lot of food. What yeah. kind of food did you eat? We uh, we went out to well, we didn't actually eat what the place was specialized in, which was um, aged like red meat, like thirty day <laughs> aged meat or some shit okay. like that. Is that a thing? Is that a yeah? It's okay. like it, it makes it more tender, more like tasty or something like that. Yeah. But um, and they had a lot of grass fed beef and stuff like that. But um, I just had a burger because I was feeling boring. Dude, and come on! I know, and I had, but I had these waffle fries that were amazing. Oh, I know those. Yeah, yeah. With a like, uh, not just salt, but like a Cajun, Cajun That's spices nice. over yeah, waffle, waffle yeah. fries. Man, I could eat bag bags full of those. I, just potatoes in general, in yeah. all of their lovely forms. Oh, I love potatoes. Yeah, so man. Much. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about waffle fries. I feel like if I was drunk. I'd think I'd think that they were the next thing. I think that they were the next sliced bread. 
Um, I had one very sober and on a health kick once. Like, just a friend brought them in and was like, do you want one? So, I mean, I guess I broke the health kick. But I was like, yeah, all right, fine. Um, oh, geez, I was, this is how people get diabetes. Yeah. This this is heart disease in a waffle fry, know, you know? But, oh, it's so good. It's cool. It's a cool novelty. They do them at that place, Mop Donuts, in Leaderville. Okay. Yeah, they, it's like the sort of Western... Um, American style donut diner milkshakes, mm-hmm. all that. Yep. I'm seeing a lot of those style of places pop up. Um, there's like a real segregation at the moment between the health food places that are all like paleo, vegan, clean yep. free, <laughs> and then there's the super Western, like heavy extra sauce kind of stuff. Yeah, the novelty, like cheesy, yeah, massive yeah. burger thing. Um, Have you ever attempted one of those like kilo burgers? Or no, whatever? no, I, no. I I'm feel like you're really... too thin. Like, of course you haven't. Of course you have No, haven't. but I eat a lot of fucking food. Do you really? I have a really high metabolism. Lucky. I'll yeah. burn 20 chicken wings in half an hour <laughs> and then just shit it out be my asshole. Yeah, <laughs> just be on to the next thing. I feel like we've been so good the whole podcast, so we have to go down this channel. <laughs> we have to go down the poop, the yeah. poop road. Oh, my Lord. But, um, man, I'm, I'm a big, like, I comfort eat. A yeah, lot. are you a comfort eater? I'm a comfort eater. Interesting. So I will eat something just to taste it. Mm-hmm. Just to like, I'm not even hungry. I just mm-hmm. will eat it to like, want it. to taste it. Like, yeah. and that and that's kind of bad because you should only eat when when you're hungry. Your body actually needs to yeah. eat, have food. Yeah. Um, but I think especially in when an I'm, ideal world, yes. In an ideal world, yeah. But when I, I'm I'm a big like soul food guy. Yeah, fair I, enough. I like heavy like mashed potatoes, gravy. Yeah, same. Steaks. You know, chicken, um, big fried chicken fan. Yeah. So when I went to... When you say fried chicken, do you mean like KFC or do you mean like home fried chicken? I, yeah, I do dabble in... <laughs> people in that know KFC. me know that I do dabble in the kernel every oh now and Oh, Lord. Um, but that, that's really horrible for you. But um, It's very dense. The only... I've had KFC once. Really? Yeah, uh, once. I was on Leavers. On the same night, I decided to drink almost a whole bottle of American honey, oh. which I'm sure you're aware is quite a sweet whiskey liquor style yeah. thing. Um, and then within a few hours, I had thrown it all up all over the tiny kitchen floor I was sharing with my friends. Oh and God. one of my friends, it was pretty bad. It was pretty, <laughs> I never touched it again. <laughs> I can't, I've never had it again. Yeah. Never. It was the only time I ever bought American honey was Levers and mm. I never had it again. And it, it always seems to be a strong cor- correlation to young people and like a sweeter type of alcohol yeah often a liquor like schnapps or something yeah. horrible oh. like that. <laughs> yeah man what what's your what's your turn away because i've never touched american honey i can't even smell it things again like after that. malibu like oh <laughs> like milk and like milky things and alcohol yeah kalua i just i don't fuck with that shit, fair man. enough it, it fair makes enough. me feel ill i think it's yeah di- it's the whole thing with dairy yeah. and alcohol it's at the same much. time is is the like fattiness of the dairy mixed with the alcohol, the just queasy feeling in your just belly. Work. I mean, like that, that milk is White just curdling. Gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. Curdling. And then on top of that, you've got the alcohol on top of that. What's it called? Those, um, <laughs> it's like a coconut water. It's like a very, um, what's the word? I think it's not coca lata. Anyway, it's mm. like a, um, pina colada. Pina colada. Yep. That's the one I'm thinking of. So I was in Thailand. Uh, last year, and I had one too many pina coladas, so that's another one that's been turned off for me, hey. Yeah. So I always chunder if I get too drunk. So when people try to play drinking <laughs> games with me, I'm a chunder. small... Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that word in ages. It's coming back, baby. <laughs> get on the train. <laughs> yeah, no, like everyone tries to play drinking games with me. You go to a party, I've got a couple of male friends, like a group of male friends um, who I love, and they're all super rowdy, but they're big boys, and they can drink a lot. Yeah. Me... 
I'm small. I'm really short. I'm mm. petite. Whenever they're like, come on, like, let's play King's Cup or whatever. Nah, I learned a long time ago that for me, binge mm. drinking, drinking a lot, just don't do it because I'll just end up yakking and going to bed. Yeah, and it's it's something that you almost have to get out of your system literally at, yeah. at, when you're young. Yeah, yeah. Because we all go Learn the that. lesson. I, I remember buying like six packs of UDLs. Oh, and no. Just drinking so them sweet. in the park. Yeah, like, yeah. With like four other people. Just to be drunk? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was You'd my go weekend. out. You'd hang out just to get drunk. Yeah. Why? I know. And then, you know, people would start like hooking up and with people they don't even like. And, yeah. And then like. I was a very, like, reserved high school person in that sense. I never yeah. was into the whole relationship thing Neither. Uh, in high school. So, like, I didn't even start till like, my fucking early to mid-20s. Like, having getting, relationships. Yeah, having relationships. Fair enough. And, like... Um, you get I'm, the single years out of your system, I think, if yeah. you just take time off. Well, I learned more about myself in those years instead of, yeah. like, fucking around. I like, needed to. I mean, I think it's different for different people, but mm. I definitely, as a teenager, needed to just be alone and just, mm. like learn my own balance yeah but definitely part of being an introvert i think yeah definitely an introvert trait Mm. for sure i mean i'm a bit of a nana hey and sometimes Mm. i wish that i hadn't aged before my time because (laughs) i seriously man like i wish that i could still go out and party like i used to be able to party Mm. but nah i don't have a stamina anymore man no like i'll I'll have like I'm a wine girl now because I learned a while ago that I used to always drink liquor because it's just the easiest thing to get if you're younger mm-hmm. and, you know, you can go hard on some vodka or whatever, mix it with whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned pretty early on that for me, whenever I was drinking vodka, that was always when I'd have a bad night or, you know, I've never been one of those drunks that ended up crying or anything like that. I'm just mm-hmm. not one of those kinds of people. But, you know, a bad night in the sense of getting sick or getting really hungover because I would just accidentally drink too much having shots and things. So now I'm just a wine girl. Hey, three or four glasses of wine's enough for me to get pretty tipsy to drunk. Mm-hmm. That's enough for me to have a good time. And then I go home, drink a lot of water, and I don't get a hangover. Yeah. Just- There's a point when you drink where you're not having any more of a good time. It, yeah. it kind of yeah. it peaks at about the three or four drink mark. Yeah, me. getting tipsy enough mm-hmm. to be silly. Yep but not getting beyond that point where you kind of can't walk anymore. Yeah, so you're feeling the buzz, you're starting to chat more, Mm -hmm. you're starting to loosen up, maybe have a dance on the dance floor, but then there's a point where it gets exponentially just goes down, (laughs) where it's like the night's not getting any better at 4 a.m. For me, it'll be like, if I go past 7, I'm kind of pushing it already. Like, I can drink a six-pack, no no worries, but I've stopped doing that now because I'm kind of trying to drink a lot less. Yeah. But um, it's, there's not any, I know there's a stigma, especially with guys, but if you're lightweight, you're going to save yourself some money. You're going to save yourself some calories and mm-hmm. you're going to save yourself a beer gut. Yeah. That's all right. Fuck yeah. I mean, like it's exactly like have fun getting fat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what point? I say. What's people are like, dude, you pissed off four beers. What a pussy. And I'll be like, yeah, well, dude, that shit will go straight to your hips, man. Yeah. Like, wait till you're 30 and doing nice. this shit. Yeah, and you got love handles. Yeah. It's great. I know, and you're out of shape. Like, <laughs> Yeah, who cares? I, man, like, if you could... If weed, I think, is another one. Like, people yeah. are like, what? Like, you had one rip of the boat. Like, oh, no. he's gone. Yeah. Like, no. I mean, if you got one... If you got high of one cone... It's cheaper. It's cheap as. <laughs> it's cheap as chips, baby. Like, leave it like that. That's fine. And fuck it. Like, who cares about quantity? Like, just have a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. just let the person have well, a good different time. different people. I mean, you and I are both quite small, so it's mm. like, well, yeah. what are you going to do? I never liked the competitive element 
to to drink alcohol but, specifically. But I think when yeah, when you mix that with young people, all you're going to get is comp- like competitive <laughs> nature, where it's like yeah. it's all about how much you can, how much piss you can sink, and yeah. still hold your, your your shit together. Yeah. Um, I knew dudes, man, back in... Um, but not hold a life together. <laughs> <laughs> I know dudes that would, like, boast about drinking half a carton. Like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. We stayed up till four drinking, we watched the sun come up. And I'm like, cool, man, like, That's say great. goodbye to your How's liver. How's your job? <laughs> <laughs> How's your liver, more importantly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, Jesus Christ. But, yeah. um, man, I can't talk. I used to smoke cigarettes, man. Oh, gross. Yeah. So opinion. I've, I mean, I'll turn everyone in music away from me if I talk about it. Yeah. Because everyone smokes. Hey, mm. like, oh, stop. I feel so sorry for you. non-smokers uh, that have to put up with smoke, man, because... Um, yeah, I hate it. When you don't smoke, like, as a smoker, it took me, like, a month of not smoking, and then when I eventually went into an environment, like a mm-hmm. gig or a smoking area, I'm like, fuck, Stinks. this is toxic. Hurts like I lungs. can't, like my eyes are watering. Yeah. Like I it's can't amazing, actually stand, like people are like holding a conversation in a cloud of smoke and it's like. I just straight off and, stopped being shy about it. Like I, like keep I doing said. doing that, man. Like, cause it, it, I call it smoker shaming. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's good. It is, I think it's if, not if, his if, yeah. best interests at heart. Mm. Like it really is. Like I'm not trying mm. to be a dick. Just, it's really bad for you. Like, mm. like Honestly, even if you think it looks cool, why, why why are you doing it? You're not even getting high off it. I understand smoking buds, but, you know, it's just smoking tobacco. Like, it's just awful for you, and you're just ruining your health. Mm. So, I mean, like I said, I grew up with really bad asthma. I mean, like, in and out of the hospital when I was a kid. I was always at the doctor's office, always getting chest infections, you know. I had really weak lungs from the get-go. Um, so, for me, I would kill to have had a good set of lungs. Why Why would you give yourself what I've what I've already had? You know, like I'm one of those people, I have to take medication every day for it. I can't go for a run unless I have my puffer. Otherwise, I'll have an asthma attack, Mm. which like it's not a big deal. Like it's great. I can treat it. It doesn't matter. But it just blows my mind that people are willing to give themselves emphysema and lung problems like that because shit, it sucks. It Mm. sucks. I I mean, I wish that I had good enough lungs that I could have even dabbled with smoking, but I just don't. Mm. That's why I'm not shy about it, though, because I just straight up, especially to my fellow band members who smoke, I just straight yep. up say, stop it, guys, I can't breathe if you do yeah, that. Yeah, don't, if you're going to smoke, don't do it anyway. Because for me, yeah. straight away, it just makes me get really wheezy if someone smokes, so yep. I'm just like, oh, you can't. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm right, kind of, away. I would like to add a little um, note that I, I, I've been on the cusp of quitting a lot, so mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll have one or two socially. Yeah. But my dad was a smoker, yeah. like a really heavy smoker, and I don't know if there's any correlation between parents oh, smoking. I think definitely, definitely. I yeah, I don't know. But I think, you know, everyone's... Statistically, that seems to be the case. Yeah. yeah. But I think everyone's the captain of their own ship, inevitably. Like, they can decide what they want to well, put Well, I mean, my body. stepdad, both of his parents were really big smokers. Mm. He's uh, late 50s, 59 now. So his parents, so I guess this was in the 30s or something. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot more accepted. But yeah. in his household... Um, yeah, they were constantly, he told me about it, you know, clouds of smoke. So mm. he could have started smoking, but for him, because he grew up like that, he reacted in a way that was just like, I hate it. I hate the smell of it. it made my lungs feel crap. It gave mm. me asthma. Um, growing up in that environment, I'm not going to do that because mm. I hated it. Whereas I've definitely noticed a lot of my friends whose parents smoke ended up smoking as well because it's seeing that a behavior is being acceptable from a young age. So you just don't even almost question it because you think, well, mum and dad do it. So, yeah, like, fair enough. Mm. You know, and it's no it's no criticism to those people. Like, it's no. just I feel fortunate that I grew up with my parents being health conscious and, um, yeah, sort of t- taking care of me, taking care of my lungs and stuff because they knew I wasn't going to be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
so lame. I'm like one of those nerds with a <laughs> ventilator and stuff. No, no, I have. I've got a puffer in my bag as well. Is that because you smoked? No, I've all, always I was had born. Asthma. I was born with asthma and eczema. Yeah. yeah. So I've had same dude eczema. Really, as well. yeah. dude, man, this is weird. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, I, they're both kind of inflammatory. Yes. Disorders. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, I've had to pay attention to kind of the environment a lot more than people. Yeah most normal healthy people would but um my dad used to tell me like which is really true um because he was a smoker once you made that imprint of mm-hmm. smoking it never leaves you yeah because y- your brain is like wired now to receive that that nicotine mm-hmm. that dopamine mm-hmm. of course once you quit it gets better yeah but you're forever gonna look at a cigarette with that option now like oh I can, it, yeah it's not off I limits totally yeah yeah for I sure can totally have a dra- maybe just one drag yeah, and then that's the danger you know, with all drugs, yeah. really, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. It's a it's a fine line to walk. It depends what kind of person you are, but it's definitely the case of why people are like, you know, mm-hmm. never even try meth, never even do, never even dabble in that because it's true. Once you've tried it, mm-hmm. you've crossed a certain line, even beyond the physical effects on your body that those kinds of addictions can have. Emotionally, mentally, you've crossed a line and said that I will do that. Mm. So, well, that's that is now an option. Yeah, now. and it's the same yeah. thing even with you know when they say once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm-hmm. That just certain behaviors that once you've done it, it's interesting. Going mm. back is different to going forward. Yeah, well, you form that that neural network, yeah. that pathway where it you now identify with what the effects are. You've experienced it, mm-hmm. so you kind of get that imprint in your brain. Yeah, and it's very, that that then opens the the gateway to yeah. Addiction's a weird one because it's also a reflection on the person and what they're going through. It's much more emotional, yeah. Yeah, and I think people that have gone through traumatic experience, mm-hmm. I think, are more prone to addiction. I really do think that anything drug-related should be a more of a health concern than a criminal oh, absolutely. concern. Because I don't think criminalizing drugs necessarily rehabilitates anyone. Criminalizing the behavior mm. is treating... Is treating the uh, symptom, not treating the cause. Yeah. Yeah. So the cause is emotional. Yeah. Because people, I know people that have done cocaine Mm -hmm. or whatever, like on the higher end of the spectrum of drugs, you know, like uh, amphetamine, stuff like that. Yeah, all that stuff. But because... So many people try it, but it doesn't do anything long Yeah, because they've had a good support network, because they were okay financially, because they had... A, a better upbringing. Yeah, they not trying to escape trauma. something in their reality. Yep, they didn't have any scars. They weren't running, as you said, they weren't running from anything mm-hmm. or, or they're not going through an emotional time. They, they were able to try it and then never never do it again. Exactly. But I, I think people that get addicted, there's an underlying mental cause. They're, Absolutely. They're emotionally not fulfilled. There's something wrong inside them emotionally, spiritually. And yeah. So I think when you then take that person that is addicted and you throw them in a jail cell, mm. What are you doing to that person? Mm. Are you really helping that person? Like I, on the other hand, I do think if you're profiting and dealing meth, you should well, go it's to different. jail. I mean, obviously, if but, you are addicted to meth and you, as a result of that addiction, decided to rob somewhere or you know mm. engage in some kind of criminal activity, obviously you have to then pay the price. We've yep. all accepted it. It's part of the um, um, what is it? what's it called? The, it was a book that I read by a guy called Thomas Hobbes called Leviathan, and it was talking about the structure of society, and it's part of living in a society is agreeing to the set of rules and norms. So part of that is abiding by the law. But I think that when specifically a drug-motivated crime is is put into jail, is treated, um, yeah, there needs to be more of a focus on the actual rehabilitation for why that person is 
that way. But that's what makes it so tricky because if someone feels that they have almost an inherent hole within them that they can't fill, it's almost, you know, unless they have the strength and they have that mentality that they have to fix it, they have a motivation that makes them want to get better, it's almost impossible to help someone um, Mm. make the change because if they inherently feel so lost that they are, you know, addicted to some kind of powerful substance, then it's, you know, it's taking away that really powerful solution for that for them. And it's quite mm. hard to find a um, viable motivation beyond the instant gratification of, of taking a drug. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of people that have come out of addiction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of, are we talking drug addiction? Are we talking Yeah, like alcohol? full-blown amphetamine or drug yeah, addiction. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Um, I know a guy, a, a, a mate's brother that, it started off as a back injury, and then now he, he was prescribed uh, OxyContin. Oh, and no. Yeah. Out of nowhere, he was addicted to, which is basically legal heroin. Yeah. You can't sit there and relegate which ones are going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. caffeine, for example, yeah. so addictive. More addictive than weed. Hell more yeah. addic- it's, it's so addictive. Even sugar, mm-hmm. so addictive. I'm pretty much a daily smoker of weed. Mm-hmm. I've stopped before for a year. How'd you go? And nothing happened. Yeah. Right. But if I stop sugar or coffee, I will murder someone. Oh my gosh. Like, right. You actually the withdrawals. Get, I never got a physical, get headaches. I never got a headache when I stopped weed. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I don't get to be kind of chilled out and relaxed. So mm-hmm. there was this emotional connection for sure. Yeah. With weed. But it's an was, emotional thing with weed. Exactly. More than anything but there was else, no, yeah. like, when I didn't have it, I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess I don't have it. All yeah. Right. And then I yeah. went, on, went about my day. I With these other substances, man, like, if I don't have coffee, I am going to kill someone. Yeah. I don't mm. think there's anything inherently wrong with drinking coffee. You know, like a lot of a lot of people do it. It's when people are having five cups a day that, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, I have one it's not day. good for you. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't really speak because I, I'm a huge green tea girl. I love green tea. I love mm. tea, herbal teas, you know, peppermint, chamomile, like get, get it in me, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, coffee, I find, gives me a headache because there's too much caffeine in it. Yeah, and you kind of feel jittery and yeah, so yeah. you're not really energized. It doesn't go you're well with my digestive nervous. system either, yeah. if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is um, you don't really know the effect of something until you actually cut it out. True, yeah. So, like, for me, like, being bloated I thought was, like, normal. Yeah. So I was, like, going around just feeling shit in yeah. my stomach, just yeah. going, well, I guess this is how people feel when this it's is really just... not. Yeah, 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 it's so true. <laughs> so when I cut, like, I've been trying to cut out dairy and things like that. I think dairy's I love the big one, so much, more than but meat. I'm, but uh, eggs have a lot of histamine, so for my skin, yeah. like, people recommend eggs cut, aren't great. No. cutting eggs out. But, man, scrambled eggs, holy shit, <laughs> holy shit. One of my favorite, and it's so cheap to it's easy. scramble yeah. three eggs, yeah. and, just, and it's so quick. But yeah. um, I've got to get, I've got to let go of that because I think there's a real emotional attachment to food. Yeah, man, like what you've yeah. been raised with, what you have those positive associations with, you know. Like the the only one for me is really lamb roast because that was what we had at Christmas. That was what we had at birthdays. And my family still have it, um, and I just have something else. I just have the roast vegetables, but you know, it's that cultural thing it's like what brings people together food is such a centerpiece of culture of family of friendship you know you're always going out and eating with people it's really um it's always in for all of humanity it's been quite a odd thing to do to eat alone i think that's why people get confronted by it if you do decide to just treat yourself and go out somewhere but it's a lovely thing to share a meal with people and you know you have that thing of if you woke up when you're a kid and you get you know tinned soldiers in an egg or you have scrambled eggs you know that kind of thing you got this emotional attachment to it as well. It makes mm-hmm. you feel good. Yeah. 
Um, but also, I think you learn a lot about people when you sit down and eat with them. In what way? Not to say like I'm hyper analyzing people, but like how people eat, mm-hmm. their approach to eating. Mm-hmm. Some people dig right in. Some people dance around the corners. Some people are very orderly. With it's interesting, they, isn't it? It's really interesting. Yeah. Um. Uh, their mannerisms. Do they talk with their mouth full? Do they don't? Like, not that I'm judging them either way, like good or bad person, but mm-hmm. you learn a lot about their certain characteristics, you know, yeah. especially what they order. Yes, yeah, um, that's true. Sometimes you run into someone that's really quite conservative, like, no, I don't eat anything like that or that or that. You yeah, know? yeah. Or sometimes you eat that person that's like kind of... Uh, let's try something different. Yeah, let's try something different or, or just, you know what, I'm just going to get something, you know, I've, I've eaten well all week and I, I'm just going to yeah. go for a cheeseburger. And yeah, then, cool. Or vice versa, if they're really disciplined, like you might be. Yeah. Like I, I highly respect people that are like that as well. I've got a few yeah. vegan friends. Um, I don't know what people are bitching about, like about vegans being really like I think most people actually and, know vegans. It's just the online ones. But I think if you I know, just talk to people, a lot of people they're have this, normal. A lot of people have this like weird assumption of vegans when they haven't actually encountered anyone like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they go, oh, vegans, man, they always blah, blah, blah. They always preach. And I'm like, name me one vegan that you know that does that's that. That's actually done. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, they're well, like online that do it. That's dude why. on Facebook. Yeah. I'm like, he's not your fucking friend. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really know people. You just want something to fucking bitch about. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, until, like, until someone's actually stopping you from being yourself. Yes. In, like to your face. Then yeah. I'm like, all right, that person's Why would you cool. care? Yeah. Um, I so find it interesting part, that you know. say the discipline to be vegan because it's it's really curious to me because people do definitely view it like that Um, and I find it very flattering but I feel that I mean to be I had really bad IBS before and just you know the the asthma in my skin was really Mm. bad as well leaky gut's been linked to asthma and uh, uh, eczema as well because Uh, the gut is not processing properly, yep. so then it passes that filtration onto the skin. Yeah, and then that's when you get rashes. Like I've got rashes all over me, but yeah. Um. So yeah, there's def- sorry. Yeah, the inflammatory. No, no, no. It's it's definitely true. gut bacteria. Mm. Your whole gut biome. There's there's an ecosystem living inside you. Yeah, and yet you have to mm. pay attention to what works yeah, yeah. for you. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, I feel that for me, it just it doesn't take any discipline at all because I felt so bad before. I was always bloated as well, and I just felt crap I just I didn't feel good in my body um and I lost I lost like 15 kilos eating more than I'd ever allowed myself to eat thinking about food a lot less because I would just say you know as long as it's vegan if I really feel like having that like fine doesn't Mm. matter like I'm not harming anything I'm not contributing to certain industries that I'm not interested in contributing to like fine and it was so weird that my whole attitude just changed like a lot of I think a lot of teenage girls a lot of teenagers in general but a lot of teenage girls struggle with food you know when you first start to gain weight for me I was always a really skinny kid and then when I was when I went through puberty and I started to you know pile on a couple of kilos you start to get boobs start to look more womanly Mm -hmm. I really struggled with that and I couldn't control my weight anymore and I really fluctuated all the time I was always obsessed about food it was a really unhealthy time in my life I was super unhappy about it and it was like as soon as I just went, no, I'm just going to focus on actually what makes me feel good. I don't care about losing weight, stuff it, I'm done. I'm just trying to actually feel good in my body. Um, yeah, it just it's not hard to maintain at all because I just never actually felt better. Mm. It just got rid of so many things for me. I think results are powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you feel the results of either working out or training for something or yeah, watching absolutely. your diet, when you actually physical, physically feel the result, um, 
then that starts momentum, mm-hmm. and then you you just go, oh, well, I'm never doing that again. Yes, it's it's pretty much a, a very logical decision to to yeah. not go back to feeling shit. Exactly. Um, so then, yeah, there's almost very little effort needed when you see results. Precisely. But starting is very hard yeah. to get anybody to start. Yeah, like, what would you, you know, do if you had a friend that was getting pretty fat? And they um, were obviously not in the best place because I, I am pretty firm on that. I don't think if, you're gain, if you've gained a lot of weight mm-hmm. that you're going to be in the best place because you're obviously substituting food for some – it's an addiction. Yeah. You know, you're substituting food for some kind of unhappiness in your life. Yep. Some people, like we were talking about, does that with drugs – a lot of people do it with food. Do it with sugar. Yeah. I know yeah. people that are on just, they need to drink something fizzy every day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they don't feel normal. Yeah. Um, so but, lucky my parents never gave me fizzy drinks. They just don't do yeah. anything. If your parents don't give them to you when you're a kid, I feel like you just don't really get a taste You kind of skip that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not addictive. Going back to what you were asking, like, I don't know how to broach that subject to people that are... Well, I've, it's I'm, really interesting yeah. in different, like, Asian culture specifically, mm-hmm. um, in Japan, Korea... There's this culture where they actually confront each other about it, yeah. and you know, there's the um, I where did I hear this? Someone, one of the vloggers that I follow on YouTube went to Japan, and apparently there was size fat, and it's just like they're just very honest about it, and you don't see the obesity ed- epidemic in those countries so much. That's true. Yeah. There is, mm-hmm. I don't think that it should be something offensive. You know, like I said, my mum and my stepdad are quite overweight, but um, their attitude towards it has really shaped my attitude towards it because. Yeah, my mum would just say, "Well, yeah, I'm fat." Like, yeah, it doesn't mean well, doesn't make me a bad person. It just mm. it is a fact of life. I'm not size beautiful. I'm not curvy. I'm overweight. Like, that's okay. Yeah. But you know, I acknowledge that there's health ramifications to my lifestyle, and it's but it's just the thing. It shouldn't be so offensive. Almost the fear of saying the word fat almost is more offensive because it's acting as though it's such a bad thing. You can't even say it. You can't even just be honest about it. And yeah. it's like, well, isn't that worse than if you just were to have yeah. a real discussion Once about it? Once you start like developing a chart on right and wrong words, it mm. gets really hairy because you're a lot of people that have been fat shamed that got healthy mm. are like, thank God people were calling me out on my yeah. way because yeah. I was heading down a really dangerous path. Yeah. And if it weren't for that shame, I wouldn't have gotten on that treadmill and changed, cleaned up my diet. Mm-hmm. Like, so then, is it bad to then point out that someone's fat? I don't like. I guess it depends on the context of how yeah, you do it. Yeah, and the intention. Like, if you're just yeah, being a, sure. if you're just being a dick about it, then yeah. obviously that's not cool. But people see what their friends do exactly. and they copy that behavior. Exactly. So yeah, we're very much like monkeys in that way. We are, like I think that humans are. We're all a little bit. Um, <laughs> Blind. We're all a little bit ignorant about just how much we are slaves to our own yeah. just chemicals, and mm. that we are just animals as well. We're yeah. just a, we're just a pile of cells, and we have that group mentality yeah. a lot of the time. Like it's nothing wrong with it, but I think that's why they say you know the the five people that you talk to most, the five people you surround yourself with the most, that's who you become. Mm. And I think it's so true. So if you are you know making it clear that you make an effort with diet and exercise, those friends see that. Mm. Um, and see it as a positive thing because it should be something that's discussed, especially with the epidemic that we're seeing mm. of weight problems now. You know, it's mm-hmm. um, incredible, isn't it? It's really – we're living in an interesting time all around. I, I feel privileged to be living in such a fascinating pocket of history. Recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. It's the Mission Control Podcast. I almost saying? think that I consume too much media in yep. my daily life to the point that I feel like I'm constantly 
plugged into something because I just, mm. so we were just talking about cooking when you're listening to a podcast or <laughs> in my case, doing my washing or cleaning the house yeah. because I, it's just a great way to pass the time. It's a great way to absorb something new. But sometimes I think I've got so many different voices going into my head, so many different ideas and concepts. I'm not sleeping at the moment. And I think part of it is that I'm just thinking too much. I'm not switching off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All well, the time. Sleep is hugely important as well. Uh, quality sleep. But um, I lay on my side a lot. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I, I like, I have a... <laughs> Do you like, are you a cuddler? Oh, my God. He's a cuddler. I'm, I think I'm a cuddler. Yeah, I have a pillow next to me that I latch onto. So you're a two-pillow guy? Uh, I, yeah, so I, I lay system. my head is on one pillow, yeah. and then I have another one that I kind of hug next to me Yeah, on my side. So yeah. I, I have a three-pillow system. So I've A three-pillow yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, in a perfect world. Grace's three-pillow system. <laughs> You, sell you guys can book. try it at home. <laughs> you, get, you get one on your head yep. and then you've just got two on either side so that when you're cuddling one pillow on one side, you've got something on your back as well. And then you don't even need to worry about pulling that pillow over. You can just flip to the other side and hug the next pillow. Right, right. Or if it's winter, I've actually got a four pillow system. So then I put one on top of me because I mm-hmm. get really cold. So I just, if I'm lying on my back, I've got a pillow on top. So just, <laughs> I hug it like a corpse, <laughs> like a Dracula kind of crossover on the front. Well, I have weird, weird OCD. CD things. I think okay. um, if it's if it's really hot, like yeah. and and like I don't need a blanket. I still need one. Yeah, same. I still need to like cover the like when my legs are covered from the waist down. Mm-hmm. Then that tells my brain that it's sleep time. Yes. So if there's nothing on there, my brain is in nap time. Cool. Like I'm having a nap. So then yep. I'll, I'll get up a lot if I'm not covered. Yeah. So that's a weird thing that like a. A blanket can can have yeah, such absolutely. a sense of comfort. The, like, that psychological effect. Mm. For and of sure. course, if a foot's out, that's where the 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 demon gets you. <laughs> so you've got to have that foot underneath the covers. That's really interesting, actually, because <laughs> this is my curse. I get really cold on top and hot on the bottom, so I yeah. can have my legs out, but I got to have something on top of me. I got to have something on my chest, on my yeah, back, yeah. you know. Yep. But I, like for that exact reason, I just can't sleep naked. I can't get around it. Okay. And I, I wish I could. I wish I was one of those people, but. I'd well, need like a t-shirt or something just covering my skin a little bit. Yeah, girls don't have to sleep naked. I think guys, I recommend them to because uh, we run, our engine runs a lot hotter. Yeah, men are naturally it, hotter. Yeah, yeah, it regulates testosterone for guys to sleep either naked or with boxes on. That makes on. sense, yeah. Because um, we tend to like, I, I guess, overheat yeah. uh, uh, a lot easier than women. But, yes, um, I'm the same. I've noticed I, that with every every guy that I've ever dated. They yeah, always yep. yeah. Shirt just off sleep and boxes. Yeah. yeah. Because I, even I, in winter a lot of the time they'll just wear sweatpants or something, you know? Yeah. And I'll be sitting there in a singlet and a jumper and sweats <laughs> and socks and like, you know? Yeah. But um I can't I can't be totally like butt naked though. It feels weird. Yeah. It feels like there's too much um sensation. Air going around. Too many sensations <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah. Like totally. bugs and shit? Like, yeah. you're like, ah! Right? Like flies or I mosquitoes. I had this fucking fly in my room. <laughs> oh, no. It was in my room for like three days, you know, until it died, until it passed away. Rest in peace. I don't know where that fly died, but has, I couldn't get it out of my room. Its it entire life is in, in your room. I guess yeah. it must From have been. From birth to death. For at least a lot of its life <laughs> was spent sort of flying onto my face and waking me up in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. Go away. It's like when there's a mosquito, there's just the one mosquito and mm. you turn the light on, you can't see it because mm-hmm. it's so small and it flies away so quickly and they're so loud, <laughs> so loud. When, when there's no noise around like if you live yeah. out in the suburbs <laughs> and all you literally hear is mm-hmm. yeah. 
<laughs> and like they always manage to land on in, your... an, in an open orifice, like yeah. your nose or your ear. <laughs> yeah. It's the fucking worst. Do you think it's because they get sucked in? You like. I think they in. like dampness. I think mosquitoes yeah. like swampy environments. Yeah, so like my ear. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, straight up. <laughs> I was singing the other day. I was walking down the street because I, I just sort of sing around the neighbour. I don't care. Like my neighbours know me. I've lived there for a long time. So I walk around the streets and I practice if I want to. Um, and I was just singing, having a good time, walking my dog, and a fly just like <gasps> into my throat. And I fully just choked him <laughs> in the street. So oh, my goodness. I once had a, a, a high school friend... Um, I think we're playing soccer and he just he he just started going. I was like, "Are you alright?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think a fly went into my eye." He 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 looked at me and I could see the wings and the legs like lodged up into his eyelid. And I'm like, "Dude, you have a fucking fly literally under your eyelid." He freaked out. He ran and fucking went to the nearest tap and started like flushing his eye out with water. That actually just gave me a shiver. My biggest phobia uh, um, is, I think, bugs inside my ear canal. Yeah, fair enough. Because it's like, holy shit, how do you get it out? How are you going to get it out? You can't, what would you do? Get a vacuum cleaner or something? (laughs) Yeah, there's no. Like on the hole? Yeah. It'd suck your earrings out, though, dude. Oh, yeah. I've been noticing these. These are like blingy earrings. (laughs) Daryl is wearing diamantes. I know. They were like $10 from Top Man. I like them. If anyone was going to pull them off. I teeter on the verge of, I don't know what I am. Like, I, I dress a little bit rock and roll, but then I listen to so much hip hop that I yeah. want to wear a hat and baggy jeans. Yeah, of course. So I'm kind of torn of between all these different sub genres. <laughs> yeah, man. But then I like, you know, but every making now and again, something beautiful and unique. Exactly. In its own Maybe way. Maybe I'm combining everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to make this mishmash of, like, but I like country stuff as well. Yeah. I love wearing cowboy boots. Fair enough. Like, um, kind of pointed boots I like. I like wearing hats. What like, kind of hats? Like long... Like cowboy hats? Uh, not cowboy hats. I'm not going to say... Fedo- yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to say fedora. Holy shit. But not... Holy shit. Not the... I thought you were cool. <laughs> oh my God. I knew instantly oh. that would be bad bringing up Because I think fedora. of Jason Mraz. I know. Yeah. But I'm talking about the overextended long fedora. Oh, those are cool. You know, like those Meg cool. I like, like them, yeah. Yeah. They're but quite stuck. Like they're that. sort of 1920s businessmen-ish. Yeah, they're kind cool. of witchy looking. Yeah, they're, they're all right, actually. They're all right. Like That's not the the short brim fedora. Is, no, you know, with the feather in it. Get sin. the fuck out of it's here. It's <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> is that like an in- instant turn off? I like, uh, if someone's, yeah, like, yeah. it's just not even, oh my gosh, even worse than the straw ones is the fabric ones with like the pinstripe on them. Oh. No, no, oh go home. Pinstripe anything. <laughs> yeah. Gives me the creeps. Uh, I could do a pinstripe suit on a well-dressed black man. Okay. Get me some of that. That works. Yeah. Why does it pass for black dudes? They just get away they with that. They just get away with it because they they've got they... an innate sexuality about them. I know. But when, when a white dude wears a pinstripe suit, you're like, that dude plays World of Warcraft. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, I wish that I was trying to combine something, though. Like, I envy I envy that you even have styles because I don't know what I'm going for, but it's, I don't know, school child chic. <laughs> like... Like, school child chic. Yeah, man. Just, like, as comfortable as I can get. What do you wear? What do you like to wear when you go out, then? If I'm like, well, like, Are where, you a am dress I go- person where am I going? Uh, this I video clip that I that I was okay. saying, like, yeah. is very, um, it's so interesting, like, your stage persona versus you just as a person. So mm-hmm. there's a part of me that is like the, 
the grace that's in this clip. So I'm wearing this like red lace dress with red lipstick, crystal earrings, you know, like very, um, very sexy, very sultry, the whole, the whole look. And like, yeah, I do that sometimes. It's fun. Like I love it. But, um, you know, for the most part, like if someone met me on the street, like I'm just wearing a t-shirt and some jeans and some sneakers. If I was going out, Oh, it depends where I'm going. Like if I'm going clubbing, I've learned the lesson a long time ago. Just wear flat shoes because otherwise your feet are just going to hurt and you won't be able to dance properly. Yeah, and then you end up like those girls in Northridge at 3am who are carrying their high heels. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> no, no. I'll retain my class, thanks. Yeah. Um, but if I like, if I wanted to look nice, yeah. you know, it really just varies. I guess I kind of, I just try to wear things that are a nice cut for my body shape, that are just flattering for mm-hmm. me, that are, you cool. know, a nice material, mm-hmm. well-made, that kind of thing. Because I'm not very outlandish in my clothing because I think I'm quite a loud person, that it's almost too much if I was to be one of those girls that was, like, wearing, you know, the, the platform shoes and all kinds of, like, holographic materials and big old earrings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would just be too much and I mean I can't be bothered to really wear makeup or do my hair or anything like that most mm-hmm. of the time anyway so it would look weird if I was to <laughs> be wearing this hell decked out outfit and then you know just to kind of be like plain face like hello yeah it's me <laughs> hi guys yeah. uh, hi guys I saw you kind of walked away from me there are you can guys I avoiding me can I come to <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Simpsons <laughs> reference yeah, yeah. Can I come to? Dude, I posted this picture a while ago on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I posted this picture a while ago on my Instagram where I was like, I was in a towel and I was at the beach. And I made this this whole caption about it, just talking about how I'm a beach bum now because I went to the beach three times that week and I was pretty proud. And then I was watching The Simpsons the other day and I was like, I should have made the caption, you'll have to speak up, I'm wearing a towel. <laughs> I was like, damn it, I missed a perfectly good yeah, opportunity. Yeah. So, you'll have to speak up, I'm wearing a towel. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite line. ones. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> I love when you meet another, like, Simpsons lover because it's just a it's dangerous. thing, isn't it? It is. It's dangerous. It you, is. You end up like... We're going to get too obscure for the podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I know a guy that lives his life and conversation through Simpsons quotes. Yeah, fair enough, because you can actually do you it. You can actually do you that. Can There's do enough it. quotes out there yeah. um, from The Simpsons. Where do, where do you cut off your Simpsons love, though? Because, you know, you kind of have to, let's be real, it's not good anymore. I like the... Or do you mean, like, in terms of quality? Like, where do you stop watching? Because I stop watching at a certain point. Season 12 onwards? I think after Conan and Brian stopped writing for him. Yeah. So I think the, the there was a really, like, awesome early to middle like part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, season three yeah. to seven-ish. Amazing. So good. So, so good. good. And I like the, the early ones had more uh, emotional edge to it. A very Absolutely. family. Yeah. Like, I felt um, it was much more of a social commentary and then it became true. more yeah. of a comedy show mm. in the way that, like, I'm not a family guy person or anything like that because mm. I don't feel that that humour has any heart to it. It's just humour. Mm. It's just sort of, you know, I don't want to criticise it too much. Like, some of it's funny, but... Um, yeah, I think that's very that was much what gave a, very, the edge. a very new style of humour. It is, isn't that, it? That almost, like, ADD humour. Yeah. Where it's like, we're just going to blind random, random, you random. with uh, cutaways and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, all condensed into, like, this tight 10, 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas I liked The Simpsons because it was, like, it took its time, you know, and yeah. the characters were really, like, fleshed out. That's and... why you. That's why the jokes are so timeless, because they do flesh out every joke. Mm. You know, you get some of those episodes where by the end it's just gone full circle and you're like, that is just genius writing. It's yeah. just so good. Yeah. Where do you go to now to consume comedy? Because I find it really hard to find good TV shows. <laughs> um, 
I like actual comedians. Same, you know? so same. I'm a big fan of a lot of the LA comedy scene that, that do podcasts. So. Yeah. Did you see that Amy um, Schumer Netflix special? Everyone's talking about it. I didn't. She cops oh. a lot of hate, though. She does. Yeah. Well, because it's awful. Like, yeah. Oh, I watched some of the leather special. Um, it got like a one star rating on Netflix. Oh, yeah, man. And she she then went and posted that it was like the alt right that had conspired against her in in Reddit rooms. Yeah. Or, okay. Like Reddit had rooms to begin with. <laughs> what, well, anyway, they have, they have threads, right? They have threads. Yeah. Not you don't, What do you mean a room? Oh, I guess um, I guess a, a subreddit could be a room in its right? own way, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but it's just very it's very vulgar. It's very vulgar. Her humor. I love watching people. Um, I love watching professional comics, though, because there's an art to comedy, isn't there? Just mm. a real wit to the way that you structure a story in order mm-hmm. to make it funny. And it's just it's awesome to watch professionals do it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of correlations with uh, a lot of comedians like music and a lot of mu- yeah. musicians are naturally really funny. Yeah. Like I, I've always noticed this um, definitely a lot of things in common between music and comedy. But yeah. The ability More to so, I would say, there. than like acting or anything like that, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but the, the the ability to to captivate and command an audience mm-hmm. just with a story or, or just with your your voice and your, yes. your actions. Yeah, um, a lot more similarities power, in that for sure. Skill. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, absolutely. Man. So, so who are your who are your comics of choice? Um, I like. Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. I like Louis C.K. Of course, everyone likes Louis um, C.K. <laughs> uh, but I like old comics, you know, Richard Pryor. Yeah. Um, Mitch Hedberg. I like a lot. Um, like George like Carlin? Mark, Do you George, like George Carlin? I love George Carlin. Yeah. Love George Carlin. He's pretty, he's mm. pretty uh, angry old white dude, but <laughs> I love it. I love but I love it because it. it's like you're seeing an angry grandpa. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah it, and a lot of the stuff he says like, well, yeah, it's true. He's got a lot of points, and I think that's why uh, comedy is so powerful is because people are able to talk about certain issues but at the same time expose people by making them laugh. So Mm -hmm. they're vulnerable and they're inserting these ideas into people. Yep. And it really, I think my favorite comedy is comedy that um, makes you think Mm -hmm. as well. So I love a lot of Bill Hicks. I I love a lot of, like, uh, philosophical comedy. Yep. Um, But, man, anything that makes me laugh, I I just like in general. Yeah, for sure, for um, sure. So what about TV shows then? Because I, I went through a really big Simpsons phase, of course. Yeah. And then after that, I struggled to love the writing of any other show as much because, you know, there's just so many Easter eggs. But I will say Rick and Morty, mm. great, great. Yeah, First real competition. Mm. Dude, you'd really like it. You'd love it. I bet so many <laughs> people said that to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> you'd really like it. You would. It's so, it's just, it's clever. It's funny. It's original. Like, mm. I really, I really enjoy that because I was pretty disheartened by the Family Guy American Dad because Family Guy just took over for a while there. Mm. Um, but South Park's last season was great as well, actually. They're, they've, how many seasons do they have? Like, oh my gosh, like a 17? More? It's something crazy, but it's a they, lot now. they managed to nail a formula that it, it just never gets old. Yeah. It's always current. Like, yeah, because yeah. that's their whole gag, isn't it? Is mm-hmm. that they are, you know, they've always used current events to yeah. tell stories. It's, and that's, yeah. it's a genius medium to have in the like media centered society that we have now. The technology centered society is perfect. It's the way to make lasting comedy is to have always used that. You know, because um, yeah. that was the problem with The Simpsons was that they originally were focusing on broader themes of society and they were using, you know, family problems and things like that. And that was the center of what they would make an episode about. And then as time went on, they sort of dealt with everything that you could talk about 
on a normal level. Mm. So they tried to do a South Park thing, the Family Guy thing of talking about relevant current things, bringing in all these didn't guest work. stars. Doesn't work. It just totally didn't work. I yeah. Think it was really sad, like, watching The Simpsons, like, kind of slowly gravitate towards that really contemporary, trashy. like... Yeah, trashy, like, random, trying to be more random. Mm-hmm. Or trying to be, like, self-deprecating to the point where... It was, like, sad. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like even Homer wasn't really Homer. Like, what made Homer really lovable was that he was a dad. Yeah. And that he he'd, had emotions. He'd screw up, but and, he was trying his best. And he was trying his best. And, like, there were a lot of episodes that really showed Homer's love for his kids, with mm-hmm. uh, for, for Maggie and all that. And mm-hmm. to watch him just become this, like, dumb... Oaf. Cruel. Yeah, cruel. Yeah, and kind of really self-centered and kind yeah. of self-deprecating and... Yeah. um just blurting out random things like that weren't funny. Yeah. And they had this thing where they would hold an awkward like pun that wasn't funny, mm. but to be ironic, man, they like yeah. kept holding it and yeah. holding it. And I'm like, this isn't really funny. It's not anymore. working. Yeah. <laughs> a big thing I struggled with was the loss of love between Marge and Homer. Because yes, yeah. as a kid with divorced parents, when I was younger, I loved that they were still together. And I mm. loved that there were so many episodes that were geared around them having this connection and something to fight for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the end, he's, you know, I can't even understand why they're together. You just don't. You just think he's an asshole. Yeah. She's neurotic. Mm. It's just a shame because yeah. before I liked them both yeah. as characters. They were well written. And Marge had this, over, like this, this, um, such a loving control over Homer. Like you'd see mm-hmm. when Homer would be doing something stupid and she'd like, hold his hand and connect with him and be like, yeah. please do it for me. And then he'd be like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are like really sweet moments. And it's like a triumph. Yeah. And I, exactly. I love I loved the, uh, I think one of the early episodes where it kind of um, delved into when they first got married and had kids. Yeah. And Homer was like working at like three jobs. He was like, I'm not going to come back until I'm a man. Yeah. That was a really powerful episode for me because it was like, it was touching on things that a lot of men fear yep. about being useless in a relationship or, or, or feeling underutilized so that you're not reaching your potential. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of guys like identify with that, how he was like barely sleeping, but still working these, these odd jobs to, to try mm-hmm. and prove that he can earn for the family. And I think yeah. that's a lot that themes like that, like they're timeless. I like Absolutely that. Timeless. I like that a yeah. lot. I actually think that in shows in culture at the moment, and this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I think that there's not enough emphasis on the journey of men. Mm. And I know that's like controversial because a lot of people are very geared towards sort of the more feminist mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that and I think both sides need to be told. But I think that for men, if you look at media now and shows now, a lot of dad figures, a lot of son figures, they're all kind of depicted as idiots and they don't often delve into the pressure of supporting a family, being a man, um, you know, what it means. Like I would never like... For all of the, you know, in quotes, oppression that I might have faced being a woman, though I don't feel like I really have any more than anybody else has in the world. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of time spent talking about the pressure that boys are put under, you know, than the expectations, especially, um, you know, a little bit further back, you know, say in the 90s when it was a lot more prevalent that men were just expected to support the family. And, you know, there's a certain oppression in inverted commas to that as well to that mm-hmm. uh lifestyle yeah but and i mean I, what do you think unpopular opinion with that for a lot, a lot of the time well I don't, I don't see why that should be unpopular at all but um I, I i can see why a lot of staunch feminists would find that 
I it's guess. It's almost a focus on women's because we haven't spoken about it, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I don't feel that that's the case. I feel like people there's get, actually a lot of support for women. People get really touchy when you, down, when, you when, when they think you're downplaying the oppression of women yeah. by bringing up something else. And I, yeah. and I do feel that's unwarranted if, you know, if you're going into a, a certain thread or a conversation where you know, the whole feminist side is being discussed and mm-hmm. then you come in with your, but what about me? Yeah. Then that's yeah. fucking dumb, right? Yeah. But I, I do think that there is a balance and I do think mm. there are very relevant issues about guys. Yeah, that, totally. Especially when it comes to dealing with emotion. Yeah, that's the big that's one. That's a huge one that kills a lot of guys. I know guys now that are just, they will not say when they're sad. Yeah. They will not say when, when things are bugging them or if they're feeling unfulfilled or maybe they're not feeling like they're reaching their potential. Mm, mm. All of that stuff gets brushed under the carpet. Yeah. Under this, like, machoism that is really, really hurtful. Yeah. Because it forces guys to um, really not identify with their emotional side. I'm fortunate because I, I've grown up with two older sisters and a really awesome mum. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've really taught me, like, it's okay to be... Mm-hmm. Sad. It's yeah. okay to say that you're sad. It's okay to cry. Yeah. yeah. It's okay to be good at domestic work. It's okay to cook. It's okay to know how to clean and look after yeah. yourself to yeah. present yourself in a in a in a good way. Yeah. Um it's okay to take care of yourself. You're not a weak person for feeling emotion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I will happily cry at a movie if it's sad yeah. enough, you yeah. know. Um, what movie is sad enough to cry at? I find it really hard to find anything that will make me cry. There's a movie called Grave of Fireflies. <gasps> yes. It's an anime. Yeah. Uh, uh, an animation mm-hmm. um, by Studio Ghibli, I think. Yeah. Um, that, without fail, I mean, that's a cartoon and that makes it's me cry. It's about World War Two, isn't it? But yeah, yeah about a lot of the uh, two orphan kids from the war. That's sad. Um, um, after, I think, America dropped the, the bomb on yeah. Japan. And so they're, they're orphaned and they're just kind of living day-to-day trying to find food. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago, though, but, yeah, yeah I did see but it. It was sad. Some of those moments just killed me. Fair enough. Um, Like, uh, I think it's a, a little girl and her older brother. Yeah. And when oh, the, there's the bike. Yeah. Yeah. They're right around the back of it, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think one of the, oh, one of the moments, I'm getting teary now thinking about it, but one of the moments where the the older boy... They have like a, a tin of sweets. Mm. Remember that? Mm. And um, they're kind of picking at it, but they run out. And uh, the girl's really upset. They're all starving to death, literally starving to death because they're homeless. Um, no one's taking care of them. And, yeah. and the boy, like, he fills the tin with water and gives it to the, the, uh, his younger um, sister. And then she drinks from it. And she's like, oh, it's sweet. You know, I don't know why that made me tear up. Like, because he's still trying to provide when there's nothing left. Yeah. He's still trying to be that, um, a strong figure. Yeah. yeah and they're, they're barely scraping by. Um, and I don't know, something really, um, my mum used to babysit this kid and I think it reminded me of her. Yeah. In a way. So I really like identified with that scene, but the idea of that other side of the war, like that you don't see about the kids that were orphaned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the poverty after that. Mm-hmm. So they're growing up now with no parents because mm-hmm. they were probably dead from the, probably the bomb, yeah, literally. Yeah. So um, And just trying to get by and the idea of family. I think that, that one it's really... the family thing. The I family think. thing. The sacrifice exactly, for another. Yeah. And, and trying yeah. to put on a strong face when you know circumstances are fucking terrible. Yeah. And, try, and still trying to be brave. 
Yeah, it's sacrifice um, in movies. That's what always gets me. Yeah, sacrifice yeah. when you when you see that love between two characters, yeah. and then yeah, you know, even I, that's why people, you know, Titanic is the big one that everyone cries at because yeah. what makes people cry is his is Jack's sacrifice for Rose's. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if the scene is contrived or if it's mm. convoluted and the story goes on too long. Blah blah blah. It's not really about that. It's about him choosing her life over his, and that's beautiful. Yeah, it's not beautiful. Yeah. It's it's um. But it's it's very touching. Well, it's ins- it's inspiring. It's inspiring. And, yeah, um, I don't, there, <laughs> there are a lot of douchebags that were analysing that last scene, like measuring that plank of wood. Yeah, <laughs> dude. He totally could have fit on that's that. That's bullshit. He couldn't. For the record, he couldn't have fit on it. <laughs> because too much weight. Right? Too much weight. Yeah. It's what It doesn't matter how big it was. Right? It yeah. would have just capsized, yeah. or it would have sunk below the water enough that they would have both died. <laughs> like, sure, they could have both sat on it. But have you ever shared a boogie board? It just sinks in the water. Like, please stop. Yeah. Thank I you. Know. I needed a medium to be able to put that one out there into the world. <laughs> Everyone needs to know that, okay? This I love is basic. How, love how passionate you are. That is bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, plus, they were fucking freezing to death. Yes. So they wouldn't have been even like you wouldn't have been able to like think straight. Yeah. So that like the, the whole ship just sunk, and now you're freezing. In like the, there's that's no a sad way you. Movie. Yeah, that is a sad movie. That is a pretty because sad it's movie. a sad thing that happened it's mm. you know the fact every time you watch titanic just thinking this actually mm. happened to people well have you seen the road yes oh my lord With i read Viggo the book Mortensen? as well yeah and the, the man book, yeah. he's firstly he's yet. a fantastic actor secondly yeah, very that beautiful movie man is, as well yeah he is isn't he since aragon i just mm. yeah <laughs> no <Nah>. that is <laughs> a real man <laughs> yeah, i always exactly. watch that and i'm like holy rugged. shit rugged that, yeah, rugged Chiseled. Like kind of leathery but sexy. <laughs> I know he's been through some shit. He's been you know? through. Like that's what you want to see in a man. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the road. We had to analyze that for year twelve. So oh, we watched right. the movie and read the book. A lot of people really hated it because they were like, "It's too sad." But um, you know, reading the book, Cormac McCarthy is such a beautiful writer, yeah. and he throughout it, I think, if memory serves me correctly, he decided not to use punctuation and the way that he wrote the sentences and things like that were really sort of fluid, but it didn't obey regular grammar rules. Mm. Um, and it was interesting that he chose to do that because it was sort of a reflection of the fact that everything had fallen apart. So he's just writing fluidly um, without the rules that were... It, this is super convoluted, okay? Yeah. This is, no, this no, is no, from analysing it. I love it. it. But, um, yeah, the, the sort of... It reflected the destruction, a disintegration of society structures by doing that as well with his writing. But it's a really beautiful, somber book, very mm-hmm. uh, descriptive, like really takes you into the moment with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I saw that in the movie as well, like, man, just makes me weep. Like when they're on the beach and yeah, just makes me weep. I saw that in London uh, with my sisters, along with uh, these two other people in front that I think they were on a date. And like, what? The, yeah, <laughs> we were the only two groups in the whole cinema, but yeah. both like... Um, both parties were just uh, equally just in tears yeah. towards the end. I say, um, I've noticed recently in cinemas, I don't remember the last time I was in a packed cinema. Yeah. When I was true. younger, I, I, maybe it's because when my parents would take me, but I haven't been in a packed cinema for a long time. Mm. I think for a premiere or like a really big movie like Star Wars, yeah. it's really unavoidable to have not a packed cinema. But, mm-hmm. um, but do you think the movie did the book Justice? justice? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I really do. I That's feel good. like the acting was great. The imagery was great. It just, it really did reflect what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which one I saw first, though. So if you see the movie first, that can always taint the pool. But mm. it is a really well-made movie, in my opinion, anyway. But yeah. some people don't like how it almost feels quite slow at times. Um, because, 
See, I love it. It is very desolate. Yeah, I like it too because it it builds the uh, appropriate amount of tension that is necessary because it is. It's a slow, arduous journey and it takes time. And I definitely think film nowadays is so ADD. Yeah, everything's ADD, isn't it? it? uh, It's weird. It's like, I think the whole internet culture. Music as well. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not like, if it doesn't move along quick enough for people. Yeah. Like, I get it if it's boring and poorly executed, then fine. Yeah. But you do need to feel awkward and you. Things do need to be drawn out. Mm-hmm. That's why I love David Lynch so much. Like, yeah. is because he makes you just feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's way overrated to feel good all the time watching a movie. Yeah, I think it should feel like provoked emotionally. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole reason that I watch film. But um, I think it's really crucial to have a pacing, and I definitely think The Road made you appreciate little things yeah. and like, yeah. especially when there there were like moments of sheer terror. Mm-hmm. Of like hiding from people yeah. that you don't know what they're going to do to you. That was awful. And you really have to feel that. And yeah. I think they did that really well. But you can imagine like. Seeing that as a 17 year old, I was just <gasps> no, yeah. awful. The people, that was what was, yeah, the cannibals and that. Yeah, eating each other. Yeah, really um, unthinkable. But it's exactly what would happen. Yeah, it's an examination into human beings. Like mm. when all. What would you do? When there's pure chaos and yeah. there's everything, when society crumbles, like the. Thing that you fear the most is like other human beings. Yeah. Like what the the extent that they will go to to uh, survive. Yeah. Is really interesting because we don't face that. Like we said really early in the podcast. We're, yeah. We're living. We're so fortunate we don't have to murder someone for food. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it almost because of that I sort of almost felt that I should go out and do something that I want to do. Doing like doing music. I felt. Here I am. I've got everything that I need, really, you mm. know, to survive. Do something I actually want mm. to do. Screw this feeling of um, obligation to sit in an office or something like that. Like, if you're lucky enough to be in a country like Australia, like, what what's really stopping you? You yeah. know, what are you complaining about? Go and do it. So fortunate here. And I think travel helps you see that. Yeah, for sure. When you travel yeah. and you see people that really, really are not fortunate, like, it really opens your eyes. The fact that you we have clean drinking water and we have a bed. Yeah, man. We're better than three quarters of the world. Yeah. Just just by having clean water. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Food and, every day. Yeah. I'm and here I am, great. like I don't know how I feel about. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like, who exactly. cares? Exactly. Like <laughs> sometimes. Not not to sometimes. sound like an asshole, but sometimes. it's true. Yeah, it's definitely. True. Like put it in perspective. Exactly. You, you realize that you know things aren't that bad, even when they're kind of shit. Yeah. That you know you you can still walk down the street. And buy a coffee. Like, that's yeah. still okay. Walk like, down the street and be safe as well. Exactly, yeah. There, there isn't, like, a fucking regime yeah. or a curfew where they'll Coo. cut your head off if, exactly. you, yeah, if, you, exactly. if you're seen outside. I mean, in that, my like, case, as a woman, I'm able to just walk wherever mm. I want to, wearing whatever I want to, drive a car, that kind of thing. Mm. i got to say, post-apocalyptic book I would like to see adapted into film. Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Oh, wow. I would love to Bring see... Bring out the big guns. Yeah, man. I would love to see how they handle that because there's yeah. there's the sort of two different kinds of dystopian novels. There's the roads and the sort of um, Kraken and Wake style. Mm-hmm. Kraken and... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yep. Style novels. Um, and then you get the dystopian futures of the 1984s and the chrysalids and, you mm-hmm. know, Aldous Huxley. Anyway, I would love to see how they would handle that, especially considering so how, almost how relevant it is now. It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. It's the fucking blueprint. Yeah, man. It's the blueprint. It's Apparently like, there's been a resurgence of 1984 sales recently. Okay, because yeah. people are slowly going, holy shit. 
because people feel like <laughs> the people feel like Donald Trump is is like heralding the end of the world. But to be honest with you, I would have thought that Clinton being elected would be worse. Oh um, my for god! The establishment. Thank God, people like you exist. Are you? Oh, thank fuck! Seriously, because honestly, I'm. Dude, I, I'm sorry. Like, it's best of a bad bunch as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Trump is no Washington. Trump is no Lincoln. But you say that anywhere, you will get crucified. Yeah, I know. I'm even, sick of it. It's like, oh, just, so you obviously hate women. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, what do you mean? Like, no, like it's just, it's very exasperating because it's, if you look at Hillary Clinton's track record, you can't ignore the fact that Clinton was the other candidate mm. and her track record's pretty awful. Like, it I, is. She's you a can't vote. say that because no. then you hate women. Because then you hate women. Well, I am one, and I don't think that Trump particularly cares about me. And I don't think that one interview taken from like a decade earlier, um, you know, there was an offhand comment from a reporter that he was talking to in casual conversation Mm. is actually grounds for saying that he's a misogynist who hates women, especially when he wasn't even talking about his specific actions. He was Mm. actually commenting on the attitude of groupies towards celebrities. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't... This is where it gets so we're walking on ice here because people we are, are people so are hate fucking touchy yeah. about this. Yeah. But look, you've got to talk about it. People got to talk about it. Yeah, you've got to have other voices. You can't end conversation because you feel icky about it. Yeah, it's like. Um, but the fact is, guys say dumb shit to each mm. other all the fucking so girls. time. What like if if my all of my conversations with my mates were put up on screen, mm-hmm. I'd be fucked. Yeah. Yep. I would be the most homophobic, racist, like, yeah. douchebag ever. But sometimes guys say shit, right, in context. Especially if you're gaming or something like mm. that and you're just throwing around yeah, we're not talk. Even, we're not, yeah, we're talking shit. Like, yeah. Like, sometimes you just say something horrible because it has shock value and it becomes funny. Yeah. Like, to your friends. And I'm not saying that that happens all the time because yeah. there are some genuinely mean, bigoted people out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I've got from that um what trump said um was he was just talking shit yeah and the the mic was on the mic happened to be on yeah and there's much worse shit than that a lot of you like you can say and that was from years and years said, and years you know, earlier mm. he wasn't even running for office then you yeah, know like yeah. what do you think that hillary hillary clinton was caught on tape laughing about um about this woman that got killed laughing laughing about it mm. She's nuts. She's, she's crazy. just as bad. Like she's, crazy. she's just as bad, if not worse. So her and the husband are kind of weird. They're um, odd. They're very. If odd anyone's couple. a lizard, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know what I mean. Like everyone's talking about I the know. lizard. Everyone says Justin Bieber's a lizard. Like, well, if he is, she is. <laughs> and then there was a whole Pizzagate thing. What about Pizzagate? Yeah. What? Well, Pete, well, there was a bunch of emails that got leaked. Basically, there was there were a whole pile of emails going on about pizza. And uh, the, there's a, the whole fringe conspiracy side of people, those l- those sorts of groups were saying that it could be code for pedophiles, like a child porn ring. And sure. you're seeing a lot of um, busts now for child porn coming out mm-hmm. um, in, in the wake of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of shady shit going on. Yeah. But uh, definitely the Clintons, are, their track record isn't that great, but... Oh. Yeah, they, they were the only choice for They've the taken Democratic Party. Millions like, of dollars from Saudi Arabia and all mm. kinds of other very questionable countries that I don't, you know, like it's it's just right there. That's what bothers me. It's right there. Mm-hmm. So please stop acting like Donald Trump is the devil incarnate because he's not. He's, he's, he's not. He's just a dude. Stop giving him so much power because they're yeah. just people. The less power we give them, as the you know, obviously they're not even 
Mm. We're living in Australia, but yeah. the less power that you give politicians, the less that you build them up into this big identity, mm-hmm. the less they can control your life. Like I'm very much someone who believes exactly. in freedom. Mm. freedom because once you take away the power from those institutions to control you to control what you can say control what you can do to be involved in our lives it just turns them back into regular people doing a job because that's what it is they're just people doing a job and we all need to start viewing it like that because you know the the way that everything is structured now inflates celebrities and and you know the uber rich into this Mm. class above everyone else and we all act like we can't touch them like they're just these gods almost they're not they're just people as well Mm -hmm. you know if i'm ever if i'm ever that successful and i hope that one day i am so i can stand there in a t-shirt and jeans and say guess what i'm just like you and i always have been the only difference is that maybe i made some money you know Mm. that's just get it out of your head it doesn't mean anything Mm. the only privilege that there is is class privilege that's it Mm. but i I would like to say that i by that token i don't support trump either yeah Best but of a bad bunch, as far as I'm I don't concerned. think it, it's the fucking end of the world. Yeah. Like, but um, you see some of the reactions to when he got inaugurated. Like, oh my god, it's like, guys, can we it's like funny, stop actually. destroying shit? Yeah, calm down. Like, calm down. He I hasn't know, done anything yet. He hasn't quite done anything yet. But you guys are supposed to be like, but, I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's it's bizarre. It's like a we're in a bad TV episode. Yeah. Like it's badly written. Like, Life has like, become like satire. It's hey. become yeah. Now it's now amazing. when I turn on the news, like and uh, I see politicians, that it's parodies. Yeah, it's like they're like sitcoms. They're like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, almost like you're watching a bad episode of Full Frontal. <laughs> you know? Like it, nothing's real anymore. Yeah. Nothing feels real. There's this is weird. Movies have more truth in them, and news has more mm. fiction in it. Like mm-hmm. they're just peddling agendas now. Yeah, but it's really bizarre because I don't think it's the end of the world. The fact that Donald's in power. Um, no, see what he does first. Yeah, but, you know, you know I, instantly when you say that, they're like, well, you're sitting on the fence, you're not, I well, don't know. Well, yeah, like, I'm sitting on the fence because that's where everyone that should bad? sit until something happens. I think, you ne- know? yeah, knee-jerk reactions to anything. It's bad. Bad idea. Because middle you, ground, as far as, like, middle ground hmm. is where everyone should sit. I think you're way more susceptible to being controlled if yeah. your emotions are heated. Yeah, Way more. You, you, you can take control of entire movements if they're crazy enough. Yep. Because I, that's why I'm really weary about aligning with any kind of movement because yep. the whole thing is susceptible to being, to being um, co-opted and taken down. Yep. Because yeah, precisely. Because you're not standing precisely. on your own. You, you're aligning with a bunch of people that might not have their shit together. Yep. And what if, yep. like, uh, we were talking about this with Scott K, like, groups don't reassess their stance. Yeah. Have you noticed that? And, and they don't even... Because it's political. They can't step back on something exactly. they've said. Exactly, and they, and they don't want to say they're wrong. Yeah, and that's the danger because people are always wrong. People mm. are just people. Mm. Ideas are what's important, but people make mistakes. Groups make mistakes. Ideas are bulletproof. <laughs> v from Vendetta. If you're allowed to express them in a free marketplace of ideas, they yeah. are bulletproof because yeah. they will be debated and argued against and the yeah. good ones will rise to the surface and the other ones will just naturally die out you yeah. would think so but i think there's been a lot of movements if for example the anti-trump movement is one that i would say is you know it's risen to the surface despite the fact that you know if you look at the facts if you actually just look at what's going on a lot of the fear that is being mongered around those people um is not really it's not really there like the sort of the women hating thing, stuff like that. There's a lot of context that's being ignored. Mm. But um, 
That being said, those movements are based around news outlets that peddle certain ideas and people are basically being sucked into that propaganda. Yeah, so the yeah. super left wing outfits, mm. you, you know, are are making those people think that that's the truth and that's what is yeah. really happening. I mean, you, you can have people on both sides, right and left, mm-hmm. that, that are just simply misinformed. Yeah, and, uh, using, yeah. Um, that knee-jerk reaction to kind of peddle their own agenda within that. Yeah. Um, so it's really scary that we're even seeing a a fracturing of the left and the right. Like, mm-hmm. people are infighting amongst uh, groups now. Yeah. If you're not left enough or you're not right enough yeah. or you're not this enough or, wow, so you agree with that then because you're not concerned about that. Or, yeah. You know, it's really it's a really bizarre dismissive time Yeah. and a real polarizing time. I think... Trump has managed to bring out like just so much evil in people. Mm. The wrong type of yeah. I guess it was obviously always there, and that Trump is the he's the catalyst. He's, he's, he's the a, catalyst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the fuel for that. He so. represents the diversity of opinion and the tensions that were already there. I don't think that he himself is actually responsible for those things. He's mm. just a dude, like I said. Mm. But um, he's personality and his outspokenness and his, you know, frank rudeness at times is what has brought out, you know, all of the right wing people, the alt right people that are saying, well, you know, fuck you guys. Like I, I want to have these freedoms. I'm sick of being told that I'm racist because I will identify that someone is black or, you know, all of those things that make them yep. super anti left. Yep. And then likewise, it's brought out the same reaction on the mm-hmm. left. And it's, it's fascinating to see those people, those sides fighting because the more radical each side gets, the more radical each side gets, you know what I mean? It's mm. like it's like mad, you know, mm. mutually assured destruction on both sides, just building up all of this anger on both sides mm. to match each other's. Yeah. And then I where some people, I think most people are just sitting in the middle being like, mm. well, well, I don't... Yeah, I, I definitely see, a lot of people say this, like uh, uh, what you're seeing is a another knee-jerk reaction from the right because mm-hmm. they've had enough of being policed. They've had yes. enough of their thoughts and their words being... Policed, and I think yeah. this is exactly what you get when you over police things like words and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you can't control what someone is, says. Yeah, this is kind of the byproduct. This is kind of he is a product very much of yeah. a of a climate of mm-hmm. a political climate where people were getting really sensitive about yeah. things and not talking about them. It was running rampant mm. for sure, for sure. And I mean, I'm. To be honest with you, I'm definitely more on on that side of I think people should be allowed to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way for the left to go about it, um, you know, when they're talking about the gender pronouns and things like that and sort of tentative topics, the way to go about it is to not try and take away someone's personal liberty and say, well, we're going to make this illegal like they have in Canada, you know. Yeah. That's ludicrous because that goes against a foundational core value of the Western society that's been built. So you're going to have people getting mad about that. The way to go about it is to educate people and to have sort of open discussions about, well, this is why it's respectful to use certain pronouns and things like that. And to accept that there is going to be debate. And when there's debate, where there is debate, where there's arguments, where there's evidence, statistics, there's no room for emotion. If you're going to, if you're going to convey an argument properly, if you're going to convey it cohesively, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to need to just step down and stop getting so angry about everything mm. because you're just, you know, it's not the way to communicate, you know, and giving those kinds of people platforms mm. doesn't forward anyone. Because then it's irrational. It's irrational. It's yeah. just, it's, there's no, okay, let's calm down and let's look 
at some shit. Let's yeah. look at the facts. Yeah. None of that's going on. It's just and part like, of that well, is sometimes saying I'm wrong. Exactly. And being able to, to, like I said before, how many groups do you know kind of come out and go, okay, guys, we were wrong about this. We're going to change now. Mm. Yeah. And we're going to kind of adapt. Yeah. Now, now that new facts have come out, we're going to yeah. adapt to that. And, and reform and rethink and, and reassess where we're coming from. Yeah, totally. That's why I think it's so dangerous to align with, with any group. Um, yeah. But that's just my personal thing. I'm so, not saying that if you're proactive in the group that that's bad. No, because I think, I, think I mean, obviously I'm a vegan. Like I'm very proactive about mm-hmm. animal rights and things like that, that I do feel strongly about that, but I don't necessarily think it's a reason to get emotional about it Yeah. and to get aggressive. So you you're, a, you're a smart, rational person. I would like to think so. And I appreciate so un- that. Unfortunately... Other people aren't so rational. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, man. When emotion, when emotion gets involved, hey. But I, I get that. Everyone, everyone feels like that. Sometimes. I get it too. And you know, like I've had racist shit said to me. Yeah. But do I want to have a law where that person can't say that? I don't think I want that either. Yeah. Yeah. The cost of the law is higher than the cost that way, it is for yeah. you to have because to just now, say, "Well, fuck off." Or not only that, but then you provide a framework for actual bigots to now navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's like, okay, well, I can get through this argument and day-to-day life if I just don't use these words. Yes, yeah. So then it becomes this, like, you've provided... I want to know when someone's racist. I want them to call me out. Mm-hmm. I want them to use a slur because now I know, okay, that guy is not nice. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with that guy. Yeah. So now you've just got everyone living in this policed, highly policed state yeah where we're not using certain words so how do you pick out people's character now exactly you've, you've now you've, you've taken away the indicators yeah so now you don't know who's anyway it's it's weird because i find sometimes man you run into people that are really highly sensitive about certain words yeah and you're just like i don't think i want to hang out with you yeah it, it bothers <laughs> it depends what they're sensitive about but i've definitely distanced myself from certain people because i've been like i I don't think that I'm a bad person, but yeah. I feel like I'm a bad person hanging out with you because yeah, that's I'm not what I mean. censoring everything yeah, I say. Yeah. Even worse, when people tell me what to be offended by. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. Like uh, there'll, there'll be a comedian on or, and I'm with a group of friends. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll, I don't know, make a funny Chinese accent or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll laugh. Yeah. And I'll be like, Duh, shouldn't you be like upset at that? No. And I'm like, no, be. because it was funny. Yeah. Like. I laugh at white person stereotypes <laughs> about the Christians with the white picket fence. And all of it, it's funny. It's funny because it's true. It's funny. You know, yeah. it's it's all right. It doesn't, just because it's funny doesn't mean that it's meant in a nasty way. Laughing yeah. together is one of the strongest ways to heal those past racial tensions and things like that. It's funny, you know, like it's mm. it's a great way for everyone to agree like, yep, yeah, that's amusing. And because it's amusing, it doesn't have power. Mm. because I'm not offended by it. You know, it's the exact same thing as when you get teased by a sibling and your mum just says, well, ignore them, doesn't matter, or just laugh at them because then they're not going to get the reaction they want. Mm. The interesting thing about policing what people say and, and doing certain laws like that is that it's been proven time and time again that law doesn't dictate morals and doesn't actually dictate what people believe. So when people have a law that they don't necessarily think is right or something they morally align themselves with, time and time again we see people don't obey those laws. For example, speeding, people feel, well, I kind of want to get there fast. So they speed, they get tickets all the time. Drinking um, in the prohibition time, drinking. People didn't feel like it was wrong, so they kept doing it because they didn't actually feel it was something that they should be dictated with, you know? So um, 
even stealing, people will steal if they don't feel like it's wrong. Digital music, for example, online, stealing mm. copies of movies. Well, people they don't will steal feel if, that it's if, wrong. if they need it as well. If yeah. they're genu- genuinely impoverished, they will steal. Murder, for example, though, most people think that's wrong, so most people don't do it. And it wouldn't matter if there was a law or not. They still wouldn't do it because mm. they actually feel that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be the same problem. Yeah. W- once you rely on government to teach you morality that is really really fucking dangerous (laughs) but the idea like man i've read some creepy arguments um lately on facebook where they would actually um argue to the contrary about that they would say that well laws in place actually do help curve behavior which then helps people to not Mm. be racist and i'm like I'd like to think know. that's not the case. I would, though. I would love for it to work like that. Like yeah. one plus one equals two, but it doesn't. Yeah. People are all shades of different. Morality has nothing to do with the law, and that's why criminals exist. Mm. If you believe that you shouldn't steal things, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't assault people, you shouldn't, you know, screech hateful things at someone, mm-hmm. you're not going to do that. But that's why there's a diversity of people, regardless of the law, because you can't control what people think and how they feel about it. Mm. The most cohesive way to get people to agree on something is for them to actually inherently believe it. And if mm. you don't inherently believe that it's racist to make a Chinese voice or to make an Asian joke, mm-hmm. then it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wouldn't matter if they put a law on it or not. You'd still laugh mm. because you'd still find it funny. I find that, I just find that really interesting. I find it really interesting because I don't think that the government should have anything to do with morality because mm. I don't really think they do. I think that they should be there to put in certain systems into place like traffic mm-hmm. rules, like you know, roads and, and general infrastructure. But, um, you know, their part in actually controlling us as people, I think should be as limited as possible. Yeah. Is I would like to have more faith in humanity than the government actually needing to enforce it. And frankly, if your argument is persuasive, people will listen to you. Mm. So, Well, the, the research has shown, like, the number one thing that changes people is feedback. Yeah. When they feel the effect of being mean or yeah. being horrible directly. Social ramifications. Um, that's why the best thing you could do if someone's racist is get them in a room yeah, and just hang out. Yeah. Just hang out with them. Like, hang out with different – have a mixed room and have mm-hmm. them hang out. Yeah. And you, you very quickly you know, have some food because, mm. you know, food always works. Yeah, bring, <laughs> brings everyone together. But, you know, like – What would I, you feed a bunch of racists? Oh, jeez. I would have one of them. Yeah, having a banquet dinner. Paint yeah. me a picture. Oh, shit. Um, well, it, definitely a roast. You're wearing your best dress. Roast something. There's definitely <laughs> yeah. going to be rice in of there course, somewhere. Of course. For sure. Nice. Sushi. Yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything, right? A little bit of everything. But I find that once – I think that's a really powerful thing. And they've done that with um, inmates that have come – but they've shown now that – that is way more rehabilitating than sticking that person in jail. Obviously, mm-hmm. that person's going to be in jail for the rest of their life. Yeah. But when you combine that with, this is the effect now. Then you understand made. the crime. Mm. Yeah, for like, sure. Now you can look at, uh, I think I, I, I saw one, a documentary ages ago where the mum of her daughter who was murdered um, uh, visited the inmate, uh, two of the guys that were involved. Yeah. And she brought a bag of dirt. And she said, this is, that, this is all that's left of my daughter now. Wow. This is bag of dirt. And then instantly, um, you could see yeah. they felt the, the repercussions of what they had done. Yeah. And that's like probably, you could stick them in jail, they probably wouldn't learn. Mm-hmm. But now you, you're showing the emotional impact now, the wow. feedback, the immediate feedback of what they have done. And they've done this as well with speeding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People are way more like uh, less likely to speed if you show them your 
their speed that they're doing. Yeah. If, if, if you just tell them, you don't find them, you just say, hey, you're going too fast. Mm-hmm. Immediately they will slow down. Yeah. But yep. when you have these divisive cameras in the corner that just flash. Yeah. It doesn't help anyone's. There's no feedback there. All you know is, oh, fuck, i got a fine for $200. You're yep. not really connecting with what you've done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think feedback is really, really important mm. when well, you're helping Well, humans are to, social to creatures, yeah. you know, like the most effective means that we have to have a um, cooperative society is for people to feel social impact of things mm. because we want to be accepted by our peers, you know. Whether we like it or not, we're programmed to want to be loved, to want to be accepted by others. And exactly that, if you're seeing directly how you're affecting someone else and you're feeling the rejection and you're feeling the ramifications of what you've done, it's so much more persuasive than just being like, well, don't do this. Mm. I'm going to, you're going to do this if I do this. You know, like, we're going to take this much money off you. Like, it's not persuasive, you know. For someone speeding, it would be better for them to maybe take a course where they learnt about, um, like, car crashes Mm. and the statistics of people that die from them and speeding and things like that. Mm which is something I'm pretty passionate about because I was in a car accident when I was 17 and it was Shit, just, what happened? Uh, we were driving down the road. We were going to Denmark. I was with my best friend and then her parents. So it was her mum driving. So she's an experienced driver. Mm-hmm. We had a ute with a trailer on the back with our camping stuff in it. And basically just two big sheep trucks drove past. She swerved too far to the other side of the road, to the left-hand side, went on the gravel, lost control, started fishtailing, and then we hit one of the trucks and just started spinning across the road, wrapped around a tree. Luckily, no one was hurt, but it really brought home for me. The only, the worst thing that happened was I got some glass stuck in my shoulder and that was literally it. Everyone else was fine. But um, it really rung home for me. It can happen in an instant. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. You don't even need to be speeding. You don't even need to be making a mistake or actively doing something wrong in the car. It can just, you know, and if that happened, we are so lucky that no one died because what would I have done if in that day I'd lost my best friend and her and her parents, who were long-term family friends, you know, it would have been extremely traumatic and we weren't even being distracting or, you know, anything. Mm. So I think people would be better if they knew the actual impact of what something like that can do rather than as money is a pretty distant kind of punishment, isn't it? Well, there's no attachment to what you've done. Yeah. Because you, you, you're taking away tokens. You're, mm. you're taking away credits from someone. Yeah. How does that emotionally identify with what they've done? Yeah. Like how does that teach them anything? Yeah. By going, well, you were five a little over the limit, so we're taking X amount of dollars from your pocket. Yeah. There's no connection there with the crime. Especially if you're wealthy. Mm. You know, especially exactly. people like Justin Bieber, for example. All the speeding <laughs> fines he got, he was speeding like crazy because he knows he can just pay it off. Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't see why it's a problem because... Mm. Yeah, heck, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, anyone who's really wealthy. You see all of those celebrities, same shit, you know, DUIs, they commit all kinds of crimes, but they can pay the bail. So, mm. you know, it's it's just... They're not getting the feedback as yeah. much as a, a person that needs that money probably exactly. is. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. It's the Mission Control Podcast. Well, I don't think I would want to be a singer forever. That's mm. controversial, but... um. It's a very exhausting lifestyle. My perfect plan in my head, you know, plan as much as you can plan these things, would be that I would love to be able to release, you know, however many studio albums I felt inspired to release. I've got hundreds of songs, so I've got enough to do as many albums as I want, really. But, um, you know, as far as being the face on it, I would probably 
as a career, the dream would be releasing a couple of really good albums that I was really proud of and then almost quitting while I was ahead and still writing songs but maybe being a songwriter for other people instead and then moving into something like podcasting or you know interviews and things like that because mm-hmm. it's another creative channel that I really enjoy and I feel like you can fulfill more than one goal in your life. Mm-hmm. So the first goal is music, to be a singer, mm-hmm. and then once I've got that platform, there's so many other opportunities that can open up. That yeah, can and the explored. weird thing is you through music and the industry, you actually learn a lot of life lessons that have nothing to do with the craft. Yeah. You learn how to deal with people. You yeah. learn how to work hard and not have it appreciated. Yes. You learn how to... Appreciate um, it yourself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and and to be comfortable with yourself. And, yeah. But also to, to feel what it feels like to have your face up and being an ambassador for this character, this Grace Sanders, right? Yeah. So you actually port- you learn how to portray and how to market. Yeah. Right? So there's That's all these That's been the skills. most interesting thing for me so far, more mm. than the actual music because it's fantastic yeah Yeah, it's fantastic not being a union having the time to really focus on writing but more interesting for me and more challenging for me has been learning how to run a business how to approach it as a business as a brand as a product you know and it's really unromantic to talk about it like that but if you're an artist now the reality is you're going to have to accept that you have to be your agent you have to be your manager and you have to be your brand supervisor you have to learn how to advertise yourself and that's more challenging than writing I think Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the age of the multi-hyphenated kind of person. And <laughs> yeah. I, I always say that. But when you get signed, it's even worse because now you've got a label going, all right, show us what you got. Yes. What can you sell? Yes. How many units are you moving? Prove like, yourself. Like, yeah. How, can you talk? Can you do 40 dates? Can you do 50 dates? Like, yep. It's the, the, you have to pedal harder yeah. the bigger you get. Yeah. There's no, I always had this fantasy in my head that like, if I got to a certain stage, oh, then it's like smooth sailing, Hell man. No. I can put my feet up and relax. Hell no. It's the fucking opposite, man. Yeah. The higher you go, the harder you pedal. Yeah. That's it. Like, regardless of... That was something that was shattered. You know, that illusion was very quickly shattered for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can do a lot of things on your own. Yeah, the only you thing that I really your- would be interested in a label for is money. <laughs> <laughs> Advances? Yeah. I, I would love to have enough money from a label to just to be able to live you know that would be well not necessarily from a label actually I guess it would be better to get it from sales and things like that Mm -hmm. but yeah the goal is just to be able to support myself and to live my life and produce what I want to Mm -hmm. that's all it is you know um but yeah the idea of having some people like over my shoulder telling me what to do (laughs) well not (laughs) not only that but like you'd sell x amount and then they take half or more of that yeah so then it gets exponentially harder to break even sometimes. Yeah. But you, you're reaching a wider audience with their help. You would hope so. Some labels don't do shit. Yeah. But, and that's the reality, that even when you're on a label, they can be incompetent. Yeah. That's just the reality. I'm not being a cunt about it. No, like, it's that, true. That's the reality. You can run into incompetent people anywhere. Yeah. You know, labels take a cut of your merch now. Like yeah. Like, you're touring, the 360 yeah. thing. But they have to because, you know, everyone's trying to just survive. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to stay afloat. But yeah. money... Money's becoming increasingly hard because everyone has access to something that they can create content on mm-hmm. now. Everyone can be a DJ or a musician now. Yeah. It's very easy now. Yeah. Same with photography. Yeah, I f- it's you the know. weird thing where it provides more opportunities and broadens the field more and sort of forces people to get more creative, but then also fills up the industry with absolute drivel mm. on all ends, you know? Yeah. Photography, I feel bad for a lot of my – one of my best friends is a photographer. Her name's Louise Coghill. 
you guys should check her out because I work with her all the time. She's really amazing. She's awesome. She's, She's awesome. Really and she and I together have had a fantastic creative partnership in that we've both sort of been at the same phase of our careers and it's just really great for me because a lot of my friends are at uni. So it's great when I have a couple of creative friends who know what it's like, you know, to have those days where no one's replying to you. You can't get a gig. You know, it just feels like nothing's going right. And then to also celebrate in those times where it's like finally this paid off and sometimes you know, from the outside looking in, it can look as though it just paid off by itself. And some of my friends will be like, man, it just looks so easy. And it's like, no, this is months. <laughs> this is months of trying to make this happen. Like yeah. it, it doesn't just, you know, swing by mm. um, however you want it to. I wish it did. Yeah. I wish that it did. Yeah. I mean, nothing's handed to you no. at, all, no. at all in this industry, man. Like I'd look at other successful bands and be like, fuck those guys, man. Yeah. We deserve it. Like, all these illusions, man. You realize yeah. that they worked hard to... No one's getting handed shit. Like, yeah. If, if, you, if you're seeing their name everywhere, they probably worked really hard to get there. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That, that's, 100%. That's, that's why I it. say that I respect people like Justin Bieber, like mm. Adele, like all of those big artists, you know, the Taylor Swifts of the world who I don't even necessarily like their music that much, but like... They worked hard and people can say what they like about how much money they have and things like that. Now, it doesn't really make any comment about the work ethic that was involved in getting themselves out there because, you know, this is the kind of industry, every industry is the same, to be fair. You know, I think that sometimes creatives, if they don't hang out with enough normal people that just have jobs, can forget that it's not the only industry that's hard to succeed in. Everything's hard to succeed in. But as by the same virtue, you know, to get to that level of success you have to be hugely driven and disciplined with yourself. You know, I, I'm not necessarily looking forward to being on tour for a year or something like that. I understand it'll probably be part of the job, but, you know, those things are hard. It's it's not peaceful. No, no. It's... I think that image is perpetuated in music and acting and all those things, though, because you see them so all the time and you're like, damn, they're so rich. They're so, they've got everything and, they you know, you drive around in like a nice car and it, it looks like a certain way, but it's not. It's not the reality. You don't really see the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice and, 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 is a personal life a lot of the time mm. at that level. Hopefully yeah. not for me. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, holy shit, I think we've done like three hours. <laughs> but that, that's good. I mean, that, I didn't I even... got a gig tonight. My voice is oh, really? Horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where, where are you playing? Uh, the Moon. The Moon. Cool. Yeah, I love is that the a regular moon. thing for you? I play there a fair bit. Yeah. They yeah. keep asking me to come back. So I guess... Yes, it could be regular. I love the moon. I've always loved the moon. Good vibes, hey? Good vibes, yeah. One of the best um, venues in Perth, in my opinion. I think I've started going there really early teens because my sisters used to hang out there. Yeah, but, cool. Um, so where, where is the live? There's a, I haven't actually seen... I've seen two people play live there before. Yeah. Um, but just in the outdoor bit in the back? Yeah, just yeah. In the, they just set up a stage in the corner. Or mm. sometimes you don't even have a stage. You just stand there pretty much. Yeah. But... um, Blue cheese uh, pizza. <laughs> there at the moon, really. They good. got great food. I get either a free meal or two free drinks, so I'm going oh, for the drinks tonight. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I got some friends coming, so I'm gonna drink with them after. Nice. I've got the music video coming out, so. Okay, when's that coming a, out? In a week. In a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just deciding what day to release it. Monday, <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, man, it yep. looks really cool. Like it's you know it's an amateur video. The guy that shot it with me is he's he's main thing is that he does like film and edits and stuff for channel nine and channel seven so that's sort of more of his background not filmmaking so much um and he's never done a music video before so it was his first time my first time in that sense but i mean his name's charlie collins he's just super professional super organized um 
just, you know, did it for me pro bono to help me out. And it just has come out really well for what it is and the fact that it was free and things like that. That's so cool. I'm so excited. Mm. I'm so excited to release it and just proud to have something to actually put my name to and be like, look, I did yeah. it. I did it, guys. I check it out. <laughs> Hell yeah. I wasn't just sitting on my ass. Like, I exactly. did it. You so. made it happen, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> it's just, you know, when I um, when I look at my page sometimes, I think so much of it is being like, I swear I've got something coming out soon. Yeah. Um, I actually do. I actually have been doing it behind the scenes. You just cool. don't see it. But now it's there. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, a lot of people are detached from the, the whole actual process of coming up with content. Yeah. So I think it's very easy for them not to see that you're active, but I always hate that because I, I hate when I, like this podcast. Yeah. Like by the time people have listened to it, I would have done like ten or fifteen of them. Yes. So, but they don't see that until it's eventually yeah. out. So, yeah. um, I am doing stuff too. So, yeah. You know, I, I know you the have feeling. like the periods where you're doing a lot more too. Exactly. Hey? Yeah. Because yeah. it takes time to create content, believe it or not, to write and record. Like you, you just recently recorded. And, um, yeah, the single and then another single. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So you worked with uh, Chris Reeve. Yeah, shit, yeah? you know him. Yeah. He's um, great. Very vaguely. He's an awesome drummer. Yeah. Did he fly in from LA? Yeah, he did. Him and his girlfriend, Ashley. Oh, cool. Yeah, they did the... She, so she plays bass, he plays drums. That's right, yeah. yeah so he, he plays so... in filter as well over, overseas. Yeah, 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 they both do, yeah. That's amazing that you were able to... Did, did you know him from... No, I don't. I didn't know him personally. I'm okay. really lucky to be working with a guy called Charlie Young who works at Cranked Recording in Cranked is a great studio. Aberdeen. Mm. Yeah, man, Lee's great. He plays sax on the first single, so mm -hmm. he's the guy that owns the studio. He's just they're very professional. It's all very good quality. Um, and I sort of you know knew that I wanted to release something that was of international studio standard rather yep. than something that was Perth standard, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So um, he knew Chris because they're friends. So Charlie got Chris to come in and record with me. Got me a nice. So sort of nice price for it. So nice, yeah, it's wicked, really, really wicked, and such a pleasure to work with real professionals and just see, you know, how they operate mm. and see that level of of skill. Yeah, yeah. You said to me that you were going to send me this podcast to listen to to just make sure it's all right. I don't know if I can listen to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't even have to. If you don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure we didn't say anything. I feel like we didn't up, say right? anything offensive. I, well, I'm not I think I'm, well, if people think otherwise. Um, no, at least know anyway. that my intentions are positive and I love everyone and I love you guys. Awesome. Is this your first time at the Hen House? Yeah. What do you think of the space? I love yeah. the Hen House. <laughs> I would awesome, recommend man. to anyone. <laughs> I'm going to come here. So if you want to see me, you better come to the Hen House because <laughs> I'm never going to leave. <laughs> they got clean awesome. toilets. <laughs> um, I want to thank Rob uh, and everyone that works at the Hen House, uh, Tom and Sam. Everyone here has been amazing. Uh, like I pretty much wouldn't have been able to do this without uh, people like Rob offering the space. So thank you so much to the Hen House, and uh, thank you for coming down, Grace. No problem. All the best for the future. I'm sure. Thank we'll you. I'm talk sure we'll see. Again I feel soon. like we'll cross paths again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we are way too similar to not hang out. So <laughs> covered in eczema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, everyone. Recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. It's the Mission Control Podcast.